called Jesse, aka the Bizzle. Oh, the Bizzle. Thank you. <laughs> the Bizzle. Thank you, the Bizzle. Yeah. The Bizzle. All right, ladies and gentlemen of the Bizzle cast, welcome back to a series that I am now entitling I am going to do a commentary for every goddamn Star Wars movie ever series. Uh, back here with now veteran Star Wars commentator, a Jedi geek girl. We were going back in time from The Last Jedi, which was great, back to The Force Awakens, where this whole new thing began. Jedi geek girl, welcome to the show. Definitely pumped for this one. Thank you for having me back on, Biddle. I feel like we are doing a Lord of the Rings type commentary that you did previously early in your years mm. of Biddlecast, where we're going backwards, it seems like. Wow. So what's next? Return of the Jedi or something? Wow. If I could promote you any higher, I would, because that is a deep Bizzle dive that even I forgot about until you just said that. <laughs> And if you really think about it, see, you did The Last Jedi with yeah. me, and then you did Rogue One with yeah. me, so you're going backwards. Oh my god. What is wrong with me? Does my brain just go backwards? Is that the problem? Well, see, you are thinking like George Lucas. <laughs> it's true. And and I've come way on board about the ideas of prequels as well, so there you go. I don't want to get too far ahead of ourselves, but I'm really looking forward to diving into the prequels, but that's not why we're here. We're here for The Force Awakens, and I'm really looking forward to this. Oh, we will get to the prequels. We will get to the prequels when I am good and ready and don't embarrass myself for being an idiot, so <laughs> that's all the prep we're doing in the meantime. But that's actually a great lead in Jedi Geek Girl. So guys, we're going to do a maybe... I always say I don't do a long intro, then I do a long intro, and sometimes I prepare for a long intro. This time, we might actually talk for like 10 minutes, 15 minutes about this movie because of how monumental the lead-up was and the movie was. I'm going to do a pre-pre-intro, as I've been doing sometimes lately, and I'll tell you exactly where to go if you want to jump in the film commentary. So, if you are here, you would uh, be privy to a little nostalgia, Jedi Geek Girl. I think we should have about the... the um, uh, the Force Awakens. So I've I listened to pretty much all of my Force Awakens podcasts from the night of the first viewing into the commentary I did a few years ago, but like a year after the movie, other recent podcasts, Our Last Jedi stuff. I had just some stuff I wanted to share up front with the people so we could just dive into the movie. But I'll start with you about like, in your memory, like when was the moment when you went from like kind of excited about the prospect of this movie to like, okay, I can't wait for this to be here. I'm on board already. That is a really hard one to break down because it seems like it was very, very long ago, but it was only like three years ago. It seems like only yesterday, but not yesterday, if you know what I mean. So that's a really hard one to say, but I know that I really enjoyed the film the first time around. The first moment I saw it, I was really excited for it. I kept watching the trailer over and over again, but... You know how life is. You get caught up in other things and it kind of went to the back. Because my fandom, especially with the newer movies, really didn't awake till like March the following year. So while I was excited for the film and really looking forward to it, the hype level wasn't the same even for Rogue One or Han Solo because I wasn't actively in the fandom, if you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so... All right. Well, I'll just lead at least start leading to mine. I'm sure I'll talk about this more because it's evolved so much, but not relatively. I mean, 
literally the journey of the last Jedi um, of uh, Force Awakens for me has like been like a B plus to a strong A, which is in the grand scheme of things not much. But for a Star Wars movie, especially a new one, that is a bit of a journey. And I will say, Jedi Geek Girl, because I was a massive fan of the J.J. Abrams Star Trek reboot, like like I th- still think that's one of the best sci-fi movies ever made. And knowing he was a giant Star Wars fanboy and like grew up being twelve when that movie came out, and like everything you want and, and need. I love his humor, um, which I've compared to Joss Whedon's humor. And I'll get back to when we talk about the movie. And for whatever reason, I thought they did a great job of selling the cast. Like, I'd seen Adam Driver on TV. I thought he was very funny. I liked Oscar Isaac's movies. But for whatever reason, if you go back way in my podcast, like, I bought into Boyega and Ridley, like, very early on, I remember. And so I wasn't surprised that they impressed so much in the movie. And when I came out of that first viewing and I did my quick non-spoiler review, I mainly praised the characters and the actors. Like, that's what stuck out for me was great. You know, in that first viewing, I thought the writing was a little mixed and the pacing was weird and there was too many nods to the original movie and, you know, a lot of the complaints people have or whatever. That quickly got erased on subsequent viewings when I could just enjoy the characters being awesome and hilarious and great dramatically. And you know me, I am an actor's guy and that movie is full of great actors. And so that was some J.J. Abrams humor and action that does actually hold up pretty well, uh, even if it was somewhat limited in scope. It's just grown on me and I did do a commentary. Uh, oh, this was like, t- you know, like beginning of what? Tw- oh, wait. No, end of 2016, leading up to Rogue One, I did a commentary for Force Awakens. And I was telling you off mic, when I did my Rogue One commentary, just like back in the day when I did my Winter Soldier and Ultron and Avengers and Serenity, Star Trek, all the movies I love that I did commentaries on, it was just a love fest and me talking about all the things I loved. Now, sometimes there's something like uh, Episode 3, Revenge of the Sith, where I go into it thinking like it'll be okay. And by like 20 minutes in, I was like, this movie's pretty really good and getting really into it I wouldn't say loving but definitely liking a lot more than I'd remember with Force Awakens literally during like the the, the commentary like 30 minutes in I'm just like okay guys I have to apologize I didn't sell up this movie enough like I love this movie I don't know why it occurred to me then maybe taking time off um, do you think that's good you know even though it's hard to take time off from these things you think it's good to like take time off come back to things like this I do I think that it's good to do in general when it comes to life especially in fandoms I know that when I got, went back and we watched the Star Wars film late last year before The Last Jedi, I found myself like, oh my god, this film is amazing. Like, The Phantom Menace is one of those films where you don't really think much of it, and then I watched it, and that last third is really killer. So, you saying that is something that I experienced, especially with Star Wars film. You know, you love Star Wars, you love these films, they hold a deep place in your heart, and then you go back and you watch it, and you're like, this is freaking awesome this is way better than what i thought and especially with a new film where you're still growing and connecting with that film it doesn't really surprise me that you had the experience when it comes to get this film with the exception being rogue one which you just absolutely love since the first moment you saw jen don't have an orgasm on me please but jen and cassian and cassian come on 
Yeah, yeah, but mainly gin. <laughs> you know what, though? That's a great point. And this is something I realized while I was thinking about this podcast. This is the main thing I want to get across, and then we'll lead towards the in the the, uh, the main intro to the commentary, which is, so when I saw Rogue One, immediately, it was like an A+. Plus. You can listen to my podcast back then, in my mind, and with past Force Awakens. But the thing is, people were like, oh, you must like Force Awakens less now because of Rogue One. I said, no, I like Force Awakens more now because Rogue One really opened my eyes as to what Disney and Lucasfilm and Kathleen Kennedy and all them were willing to do. And Ryan Johnson with The Last Jedi, although not perfect in my eyes, it followed and continues to build my confidence in what they're doing. And so I can actually enjoy the J.J. adventurous funny vision more because we have so much to contrast it to now and honestly it's not that below Rogue One for me and Last Jedi is not that far below Force Awakens like that's just how good these movies have been I would say Force Awakens is more rewatchable on paper than Rogue One because it's way less depressing but um, it is super rewatchable Um, and honestly it's gotten to the point where I I used to say this movie is an A but I still think J.J. Abrams Star Trek 09 reboot was like a better J.J. Abrams movie, now I'm not so sure. It's like neck and neck. And that's a credit to him being, I think, a brilliant director. And I'm sure we'll hear more as we go into the movie. So my final question to you during our intro is, what did you know, if anything, about J.J. Abrams going into the movie? What were your expectations? And how did you think about his vision of Star Wars overall? I knew J.J. Abrams from Lost. And I think I was I already watched this series. And I knew Star Trek. And I knew Star Trek Into the Darkness. So I was familiar with those films and Super 8, I believe it was. So I didn't really have too much of an opinion. I was pretty confident that the film was in good hands. Uh, It's kind of difficult for me to differentiate directors unless they are like a Joss Whedon or a, uh, what's his name? The Batman series. Um, Christopher Nolan. Nolan. Yeah. Yeah, where they have very signature styles. It's kind of hard for me to differentiate so I didn't know what really to expect but I was pretty confident going into the film with what J.J. Abrams was going to do based on his reputation and my enjoyment of the Star Trek and like I said before I had no connection to legend so this was a new film with a new story what's going on not hey what is going to change it was a blank slate and like I said it took a few months after the first awakens but this film no pun intended awoken my fandom very cool very cool so okay guys well, i guess we'll save the rest uh, for the commentary if you listen to our last jedi commentary it was so close to the movie we were just geeking out at all the moments and we are definitely going to be geeking out on moments in this movie and i will be laughing i apologize to jedi geek girl in advance about this if i'm laughing it's just because poe is being hilarious or something and i can't help myself because this movie is really really fucking funny and that's part of why i love it same way i love joss whedon's avengers it's you know like these were the two perfect guys to do reboot those two mega franchises joss with the avengers jj abrams with star wars I can't, I can't deny it. It was just the perfect fit, and I was so confident going in. And once I get over the shock, I think this is my you know, parting thought here in the intro, is I just felt so much relief that he didn't fuck it up the first time I saw it as an old-school Star Wars fan, and so I couldn't really enjoy it until the second time I saw it. Um, and I'll give you last word, and then, guys, I'm going to count us directly. And uh, the Jedi Girl, did you, did you find a big jump in this movie from initial watching to later watchings? I really 
enjoyed it the first time I saw it. However, I usually try to reserve my opinions until I have seen a movie multiple times. Like with The Last Jedi, I didn't know how I feel. And then I saw it over and over again. And I absolutely love it. It's one of my favorite Star Wars films. Top three. Top three. Yeah. Top three of yeah. all time. Yeah. This one, we'll get into it. But the similarities to The Force of, the, not The Force Awakens, A New Hope were very glaring and distracting. But once, and we talked about this off Mike, once I started rewatching it over and over again, it became its own film and you can adore it. And this is one of the best entry movies, in my opinion, that you can introduce a new fan to, especially a younger fan. Yep. And guys, just the, the, the thing I want you to have in your brain as we jump in here is... It's great and relatively established as Oscar Isaac and Adam Driver were in the main entire main cast, not just the big three coming back already so exciting, but the casting and publicity of John Boyega and Daisy Ridley so won people over. I think that's the most underrated reason that is obvious, but people don't talk about as much why it made $2 billion is those two just lit up the trailers long before the movie came out. And, you know, and I think just like my one issue with Empire Strikes Back is this team split up. And I get that's the point, but I love in the first movie and the third movie of the original trilogy when the team's together and so last jedi hurt me because we separated finn and poe and ray and that was sort of the point of the movie but i really just treasure the moments between uh, ray and finn in this movie I, I i guess that's a really obvious point but sometimes those things need to be stated don't you think i do and they do have great chemistry bouncing off of each other so, all right, guys, this is will be a fun one. Jaggy Girl will be taking the lead, as per last time, as it should be. And I'll be just trying not to make an idiot of myself. I did do a full commentary of this, guys. It is fun if you want to check out a later date. But this is the definitive one, and with a lot more perspective. Because, like I said, I was just learning to really love that movie while, while doing that commentary. It was years ago. And it'll be interesting. Like you said, I can't believe the Return of the King, Two Towers, Fellowship of the Rig thing. I did not even think of that. Um, so... So, but I think it's it's good to watch things out of order and read things out of order. You know, you got to shake it up sometimes. So, all right, guys. So, you know the drill. A queue up to 0000, DVD, Blu-ray, digital file, whatever. Subtitles if you want. Ambient sound if you want. We were going to be doing a running commentary through the whole thing. If you haven't seen this movie before, you should absolutely pause us, watch the movie, and then come back. We'll still be here. But the rest of you, I think, have seen this movie a bunch. So, we're going to try and make this as fun and entertaining and predictable as possible i think i think we're up to the task jgg i i am so excited i'm ready to go so i'm gonna count three to two to one i'm gonna say go and when i say the word go you should hit play and it should line up pretty nicely with our end as well so cue it up and about to bring us into the countdown all right here we go three two one go one two Three, four, five, six, seven. All right, guys. Here we go. Here we go. Take the, it away. A classic opening. I was so excited when this film came out because nothing beats the opening of a Star Wars film. That cue of the John Williams music with the Star Wars, especially after a long time with a film. This film was the first Star Wars film in 10 years. When this opening happen you are glued to your seat because it takes you back to those star wars films even if you don't like a certain movie it takes you back because it hits that core of the star wars films that you enjoy and nothing beats it 
absolutely nothing. So, you know how I have this thing where I'm always extremely optimistic about Disney these days? Yes. I felt that way before this movie, and the reason I did was because of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. I was like, and Kathleen Kennedy, and how George Lucas closely was involved with the sale. I was like, I think Disney could do the MCU thing, and in my opinion, they've passed the MCU in terms of just overall coolness at this point. But either way, I had faith in this movie, and as soon as I saw this text, I was, I was gone. Four dots. So I do have to ask you a question. Do you think yes, that ma'am. the MCU was a trial run for the managing of a offshore, I don't want to say offshore, but a, uh, a different company separated from them? And that's why the quote-unquote Disney Star Wars films have been so good? Uh, I think that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We, uh, we are opening up to the scene here, and we're doing the classic pan down, which is so symbiotic, or so, you know, a Star Wars. So, yeah. you know how, like, the, the original shot and the original New Hope of a Corvette and then a giant Star Destroyer? This is the exact inverse because that's in bright sunlight and this is all shadows and shading and even the ships coming out, are, you can barely see them. I love that asymmetry. And not only that, but you're underneath the ship. You're not above it. It's a play a trick on your imagination because you think you're looking down at the ship covering the planet, but you're not. You're looking up. I, I love the central here. This is very different. This is very modern with the flashing lights and the stormtroopers. So I was all about getting a little more realistic and naturalistic with Star Wars. I love the wooden dialogue and the old school deliveries as much as anybody. I love Carrie Fisher and Harrison Ford and so forth and the way they do it with the new cast. However, I embraced John Boyega in particular's more naturalistic uh, personality, to be honest with you, in the Star Wars world. And we start to see it come up here. He is very charismatic, John Boyega. And this will begin to make things right. This will begin to make things right, which is something fandom has really taken into heart. I think it's a very interesting opening, it seems like. Oh, my goodness. Paul looks so young here. And it's only a couple years ago. Such a stud is Oscar Isaac. I love Poe Dameron. And one of the reasons I love this movie is Poe Dameron in this movie. And BB-8. Yes. Yes. We got to talk about the beautiful people. Which right now is Paul yeah. and BB-8 if you're into droids, but <laughs> I'm into droids, just not into BB-8 types. You know, nothing personal. Well, I do like how BB-8's like a puppy dog. So now this is very interesting because the Paul Dameron comic series talks about the backstory of Paul eventually finding Lord Santeca. And it's very interesting watching this film because this is the first time I've been watching this film Look at this. since I've read the comics and what watched The Last Jedi. So, Yeah, I mean, this is clearly staged on a set. It still looks great. Um, the fact they keep building on this with each movie is so impressive. This stuff is so hard to pull up. This is, look how dynamic this is. Them running, BB-8 moving, he's jumping in, BB-8's going to get sucked up. It, it's all beautiful. You can tell how the film is shot. Like I said, this is the first time I've watched this film since The Last Jedi. The way that the film is directed and the cinematography, it's very, I don't want to say non-Star Wars, but very fresh and new, the camera angles. 
Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's a more toned down version of what he did in the Star Trek reboot, essentially. Um, it's like a fusion. So this is this was always interesting to me. So is, is the idea here that Poe has done the math and he's like, there's no way we're both escaping, so the best thing is for me to just distract while BB-8 gets out of here, I guess, right? Because otherwise it seems irrational to start shooting Kylo Ren. Yeah, Poe knows what the mission is and he knows what he needs to do to succeed with that mission. He knows the gravity of the situation because he's been ch- chasing Lord Santeca for about a year. So, Hollywood. I love the chemistry between the two of them. I mean, it feels like a great Hollywood style movie, which I love and was the perfect way to reboot Star Wars, honestly. I agree. This film very feel I don't mean it in a bad way. This film feels very Hollywood. Yeah. I love great Hollywood movies. It's never an insult in my book. That's a major compliment. And Blood in Star Wars, one of the few times. So the fact that they conveyed that this was John Boyega before even the blood is just brilliant filmmaking. Like I knew from the, they were focusing on him in the transport. I'm like, okay, that's probably John Boyega. Like, that's great. It is. And right now he's going into shuttle. Oh my God. Look at Poe Dameron. What a sexy rebel badass. Oh, here's the shuttle. Oh shit. (laughs) He's like, he's like, there's something about that guy, you know? Oh, I'm, I'm joking because I'm a big shipper of the two. So. I'm sorry. I'm, it's, I have a hard on for the sh- Kylo shuttle at the moment. I apologize. I got distracted there for a second. That thing is gorgeous. It is beautiful. Okay. It Max Van Sydow, legendary actor. This is like Saw Gerrera. You needed this t- small role to sell the greater cause. So I have to say, especially after The Last Jedi and seeing the entrance to Kylo here, I really love him as a villain. He's the best. Kylo is uh, probably going to go down as the best <clears throat> um, like sci-fi villain of all time, I think. I think he will definitely be up there once Nine completes and we see his whole arc. I love this dialogue right here because the first time you saw this film, you don't really know what was going on unless you've been spoiled. And I get really lost in film, so I didn't really think about it. But once you know, hey, that's Ben Solo, Lord Santeca knows about his past. It's very blunt and obvious, but unless you don't know, it gets you curious. He said the First Order arose from the dark side, meaning Snoke was clearly you know, behind it from the beginning. Didn't just co-opt it. No, this is very cool right here with the frozen laser. And- this is amazing. This is when I was sold on the effects of the movie, actually. I mean, everything looked great, but I, I, just in terms of pulling off something so new and creative and cool, and it's still there like three minutes later and finally hits the thing. I love the little touch of the stormtrooper taking him to Kylo Ren, and he looks at the laser. Right here, classic pull moment right here. Guys, I'm, war- I'm sorry. I'm going to laugh. It's, I, I'm just warned. <laughs> so you talk first. You talk first. I talk first. And Kylo Ren doesn't sell it. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's so good. This moment right here, I think, sold a lot of people. Like, they didn't know what to think about it, but once Paul did that, I think it really sold the film for them. Oh, Captain God. Phasma? 
hey, she's better than Boba Fett, so... Can, can I be honest with you? <clears throat> when I see Boba Fett, I just get annoyed. When I see Phasma, it makes me sad because I see the potential for a great character and I don't know how two great directors and Kathleen Kennedy fucked that up so badly. Well, not everybody can be great like Kylo. No, and it, it gets lost in the shuffle, you know? I mean... It does right here. This is a very good moment right here where they're looking at each other. So why the- doesn't Kylo clamp down on this guy immediately is the question. His, Hold on, that's lazy. Yep, there it goes. Do you think Finn's mind is clouded just enough for Kylo to be like, I'm not going to murder this guy right the second, maybe later? I think the motive of Finn abandoning the First Order isn't completely sold. There's a little, he's in shock, and he's in doubt, but he's not set on his path yet. So it's like, hey, the, you know, this is a trooper that needs to be refined. So I don't think his motives are clear for enough for Kylo to pick up at it at that point in time. I just, I need to say this because I'm constantly praising Adam Driver, Kylo Ren, and I'm actually okay with the rail, the Raylo stuff. Cause I find it entertaining. It just, people love those two actors. However, people, we need to be clear. Kylo Ren is not just killing people. He is murdering them in cold mm-hmm. blood regularly. And you need to be aware of that. Ray's not and Finn's not and Poe's not. So, you can love Kylo, but he is murdering innocent people for fun and convenience regularly. Sorry, I'll get off my high horse. No, that's okay. Uh, one of the things when it comes to Raylo that I understand about it and accept that it goes beyond romantic entanglement. It's about the relationship between the two of them. And we are talking over the introduction of Finn without his helmet. And we're seeing that panic on his face. Because this is the first time he's seen action. He's been training. He did one or two missions, but this is the first time he actually saw action and people killed like that. What was your What was your initial gut response to Boyega when you saw him on screen? Because I, I, I was bowled over. Some people thought it was over the top. I thought it was perfect. And we have the introduction of Ray here. Okay, so here's the thing about Ray. Ray is as important as Luke, Leia, and Han combined in the original trilogy. That's how important she is to this franchise, in my opinion. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt, definitely. I mean, Leia... I would argue Leia is the most important of the original three, but still. I think if Kay Fisher was still with us, God bless her soul, she definitely would have been elevated with her storyline being completed in episode nine, but... Look at this face. So I, I talked about this in my podcast many months before the movie came out that I was so sold on Ray and BB-8 in particular that I bought like a hand-drawn poster of kind of a slightly younger Ray, like very impressionistic uh, with BB-8. I mean, they wouldn't have been together obviously in real life, but you know what I mean? Just putting them together. And I was like, I put, I'm like, I'm telling you people, I have a feeling about Daisy Ridley. I don't know what it is. I have a crazy feeling. And it's because her magnetic charisma was just oozing through the screen already in the trailers. And I'm already, and when I say in love, we're not talking Jin or so. I mean, not that Daisy Ridley isn't gorgeous, but when I say I fall in love with Daisy Ridley, it's like she is... She's what Leia was to me when I was a kid, which was just a badass who happened to be a woman who happened to be a fucking badass woman. Um, yeah, she's Leia, right? She's Leia now. 
So when the big three were first announced, I actually knew that Ray was going to be the fourth user of the three that were introduced. I a did lot of not people actually. Yeah. A lot of people did not. They actually bought into the mismarketing, and I knew it right away. I'm like, she's going to be the fourth user. So her pulling the lightsaber at the end really didn't su- surprise me. I'm like, you know they're going to bait and twitch you. You know that, right? Which I was excited for because, hello, female Jedi, so... So I have to cop to something, Jaggy girl. Yeah, go for it. There's a very touching scene about to come up where she watches an old woman and you can see her having visions of herself like 50 years from now, right here. She's cleaning, she's cleaning, she can look at this old woman. She's got a smile. She's a slave and she's looking at this old woman all wrinkly, doing her job. And look at her. She's smiling until the slave master comes. It's it's just amazing. Yeah, she definitely knows that she's that she's headed down that path unless something happens so i have to cop to my mission early on here which was i had always thought because of our discussions and how i remembered it that i never thought ray was going to be not a nobody but listen back to my commentary my commentary i said it seemed too convenient that she'd be a skywalker like not that i was rallying for her to be a skywalker but at that point it seemed convenient and like that's where they were going um, which was really interesting to hear because I don't feel like I felt that way for a long time. And I loved, loved, loved what Ryan Johnson did with her parentage in Last Jedi. I was, uh, originally, I thought she was going to be a Skywalker before I saw the film. And then after I saw the film, I didn't really think about it. I didn't really care because I appreciated the Ray character and I wanted her to be independent of everybody. But now looking back and watching this film, you can definitely see the signs and it definitely adds to her character of not having that quote unquote baggage of heritage. And see, we see a ship going off the planet and now that's real, that's real bread that it's actually made like that. So it's very cool. And we see her innocence right oh. here. This reminds me of Luke in the garage. This is it. This is it. This shot right here. No, that that is the shot that is ma- makes legends. That's why this had a nine point ninety three percent on Rotten Tomatoes with re- reviewers with stuff like this. It was a beautiful shot, definitely. I believe it says Ray on the helmet, but spelled differently. It is, yeah. <laughs> which hints which hints that that's not her real name that she adopted the name ray <laughs> i'm always waiting for you to jump and be like no that's not how it is in canon <laughs> well it is in canon because it's in a um no i know because i fuck it up half the time that's all i'm saying <laughs> well you didn't say new canon so i didn't have to- uh, there we go she speaks all the languages the thing is, this thing is CGI, but it looks so practical. I, it, it immediately starts feeling like the old Tatooine stuff. So, for people who are so people who are talking about how did Ray know how to fly a ship? How did she know how to speak Wookiee? Is because she has discovered training programs and she trains herself. This is. Oh yeah, it's no, no, it's totally believable. She's on a trading planet. That would make, I mean, I, I you know, I, you go to Africa. Anyone in, like Africa speaks like eight, nine languages because they're all like small groups and tribes, and they're trading with each other and stuff like that. So that would make total sense to me. But anyway, this is broken down in the book before the Awakening, where one chapter focuses on Ray, and in one of those chapters, she does a flight training program. So. <laughs> yeah. See this little whiny thing here. That's so cute. No, no. Oh, God, she's adorable. She is. 
So yeah, I mean, it's Jin have a fling with Princess Leia, Mary, Ray, best friend. I don't know. I never really thought about it. I don't know. Not really. I want to marry Jen. I want to marry all these women. That's the thing. So here's the thing. So Marvel does have some great female characters. We got Gamora, Black Widow, Scarlet Witch, Wonder Woman, of course, is the best, um, in my opinion, uh, um, and the most important. Um, but Star Wars has all the, the coolest fucking badass women at the moment. So you did yours. I have to do mine. Mm-hmm. Mine mine would be hang out with Paul. Mm-hmm. Uh, hook up with Lando mm-hmm. and marry uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. <laughs> you and McGregor, of course. Yes, yes, because of his loyalty, I think he would be a good loyal husband. So you want to cosplay as the Duchess Satine? Is that what you're saying? <laughs> well, as long as I avoid avoid any mall cosplay, I would like to walk away with my life. <laughs> Speaking of murdering in Star Wars. <clears throat> Speaking of spoilers, but yeah. Oh, if you're this far with us, fuck spoilers. You're, you've seen it. Trust me. I have to say, this was a very interesting scene, seeing this for the first time, because we haven't seen this, per se, in canon. We might have in Legend, but not in canon. The ability to pull thoughts out of somebody's mind like that, it's very powerful, and you can see oh, God. the pain on his face. Oh, God, he's so good. I just, I felt like... I'm, I'm sorry, J.G. Curl. I love Last Jedi. I know it's one of your favorites. I don't think Poe was properly used in Last Jedi, for me personally. And seeing this movie makes it so apparent. I'm not blaming anybody. It just didn't quite click for me. Hey, and that's perfectly okay. You know, everybody has different interpretations. And- well, no, I'm, I'm, open, I'm, open to, I'm open to, you know, debate on the subject because I want to. My family. Oh, God, she's so cute. She is. She she has so much innocence in this film. Okay, so actress closest to her that's famous is Kieran Knightley, obviously, right? They look the same. They sound the same. So I think they were going for a Kieran Knightley, but actually more girlish and regular looking and relatable than than her, um, but with that same sort of grace and beauty. And they definitely got it with Daisy Ridley. Man, does she look young too, doesn't she? She does, yeah. So what do you think about Unka plot since we're on him right now? I think I'm getting less judgmental about visual effects as the years go by, and so I appreciate the performance. He reminds me a lot of Jabba the Hutt for some reason. I will say, though, J.G. Girl, if you listen to it, but seriously, if you watch Star Wars New Hope and Tarkin, he looks like CGI Tarkin, honestly. It's so close how similar they look. So it's like... Yeah, good. I did listen to your commentary, so I do remember. No, that, I know. I was, I was, I was sharing that with the listeners. By the way, can I share a gender Poe Ray Kylo thing that I just realized for the first time ever? Go for it. It was important that he get kind of mind raped, so that when he mind rapes or tries to mind rape Ray later, it's still horribly creepy and disgusting. But he's already done it to Poe as well. He has another. Here's another human moment here. <laughs> I can fly anything. The music cuts out. You ready? Why are you, why are you helping me? Here it goes. Because it's the right thing to do. <laughs> need a pilot. Yeah, I need a pilot. <laughs> yeah. Right there. See the, the look on his face. Oh, the they're already buddies. Him. It's such brilliant writing in 20 seconds. They're already buddies. I love it. Okay, stay calm, stay calm. Pull as calm as I'm can trying. be. Finn's like, I'm talking to my... It's, it's perfect. I love the humor in this film. 
And I think that, you know, Star Wars has always had great humor in it, but it seems like the sequel trilogy has really been firing on all cylinders when it comes to humor. Yeah, yeah. I mean, this does feel like Serenity, like the Star Wars big budget version of Serenity, honestly. And I mean that in all the complimentary ways possible. This is very complicated. Also, John Boyega, flawless American accent as a young actor from England. That's really tough. So I do want to say that I agree with you on Paul, especially when it comes to the relationship between him and Finn. More so than the, the it's, it's, it's almost like a tale of two different poles. In The Force Awakening, when we see the chemistry between him and Finn, they have chemistry. Poe is like, he's a cool guy that you want to hang out and stuff like that, where the Poe that we get in The Last Jedi is a different character and stuff like that, per, per se, because it's a different setting. It's very interesting. Um, it's a long way of me saying that I love the dynamic between the two characters, especially what we're seeing right now. This thing really moves. Uh, let us not forget that Lawrence Kasdan wrote at least half the script and probably closer to 75% from all accounts. Who were Empire Strikes Back, a lot of famous 80s and 90s movies, and Solo, a Star Wars story. Jedi Geeko, you might have heard there's a new Star Wars movie coming out in a couple weeks. Really? I never yeah. didn't even hear that. I hear there's some so. cute girls in it. I mean, guys. <laughs> 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Might have hey, heard look, about that. You have fucking Aaron Reich and Donald Glover, who you love. I have Amelia Clark, but I also have Tandy Newton. God bless her. Uh, no, it it it's Donald all the way. Ed and who? But, I'm no, Aaron she, Reich. Sorry, I'm just. People are like these guys are overacting. I'm like, no, this is Star Wars. This is exactly how you act in Star Wars in this situation. It is exactly right. Am I crazy? Yes. Yeah, oh, Hux. Yes. <laughs> um, really quick, Jay Geeker. I, I mentioned this in our last Jedi podcast, but I, I just wanted to bring it up for the listeners again, in case they didn't hear that for some reason, which is that they are putting Adam driver's voice through a crazy voice box, but he is very much fluctuating his voice, which is why Kylo Ren without the mask sounds very different from Adam driver. He works very, very hard on that affectation for Kylo Ren. I just hope people appreciate that. I haven't not actually, I have not seen him in an interview interview. So I have to do that. Like, so Oh, just like, just like Google him on Colbert. He's a sweet guy. He was in the Marines. He's like a really good guy. Yeah. And it's very interesting that he's only three years younger than hit, uh, Hayden Christensen. So, all right. Can I give you space nerd porn shit here right now? So there's all sorts of missiles and proton torpedoes being fired. We never see this in star Wars. It's in all the video games. They're finally doing it in this, which I appreciate. Sorry. Oh, I was going to say that we see the first throwback of going back to Jakku. Who wants to go back there? It's like a running gag. Yeah. Okay, that really is nowhere. <laughs> I'm telling you, you have to see Donald Gleason's like, all his like award-winning acting roles. He's so unlike Hux. And I've never seen him ever be unlikable in any other movie. He channels the entire thing here. You can definitely tell this far into the film that the film is like a different flavor compared to The Last Jedi. Kind of like vanilla and chocolate. Like, you see the First Order 
I don't no want to say intended. confident, but you see them more confident than you do in The Last Jedi. It's a very strict thing where Ryan Johnson has a different take on him. It's, it's very interesting, which is nice. It's good to have that diversity. I think my feelings can be summed up thusly. Ryan Johnson's high moments are higher than anything achieved in this movie, but the consistency in this movie is more stable for me than Last Jedi. And so it's like two sides of a scale that balance each other out great. I mean, Ryan Johnson did exactly what I wanted the middle movie to do, which was entertain me, but also challenge me. But, you know. You know, I can agree with you on that. I can agree with you on that. You know, I put The Last Jedi ahead of The Force Awakens, but I can agree with you on that. Shit, I always forget about that. That's That literally scared me. I think that was a point of humor. When I first saw it, I forget about that. There was just something about that that was kind of funny. It is funny, and, but then you see his face and you're like, oh, shit. Well, because, you know, he's pulling okay. it out and it's right, gone and go. boom. Okay. So, you know, I talk about we always talk about the hero's journey, right? The hero's journey, the heroine's journey, Luke Skywalker, Rey, etc., the Dune stuff is is so obvious in every Lucas property with the desert and the Messiah figures and everything. Uh, and we see it again here. But what I love about this movie is that even though Rey ends up being the main character, the most important, powerful character, and the Jedi, Finn is just as important in this movie. So it's actually like a dual Messiah thing against the anti-Messiah, who is Kylo Ren, obviously. Um... And I love that. And again, that's that's what's so hard for me in the middle movies where everyone gets separated. I want to see the team back together again. That's why the final scene. And honestly, if I love Last Jedi when I first saw it. You know me. I, 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 I'm honest. I love Last Jedi when I first saw it. And I still love it. But the final scene with Carrie Fisher and Daisy Ridley and they're all in the Falcon, it just made me cry. I was so happy. If the movie had been way inferior, I would have been still happy at that point. Um I'm pumped for the team to get back together. And I think that J.J. Abrams had the higher level of difficulty in terms of rebooting the franchise, but Ryan Johnson had the higher level of difficulty in making the middle movie, which is so, so, so hard. Well, to be fair, the big three of the sequel trilogy never really had a story together. It's always two of the three or one of the three. Mm, Which I think is fitting. I think it's fitting. I think it will add a lot of gravity to episode nine with it being their first story of them all together. You know what? You just blew my mind because now I'm thinking episode seven, episode eight, you know, hypothetical putting modern day Luke, Leia and Han in the same room at the same time would be weird. I hadn't thought about that, but that would actually be weird. All three of them together. I think it worked out well. I mean, obviously Carrie leaving us did not work out well, but in terms of dramatically, um, now we see Ray here being able to handle her own. And by the way, this is why Luke's journey to being overpowered is so much less believable than Ray's because she's had to deal with this for her whole goddamn life. Yeah, and not to mention all the stuff that isn't PG that probably has happened to her and how she has to be so well-trained and skilled to survive in this environment. I'll be honest with you, she's so athletic and powerful and and graceful in this movie, but when I saw that training montage in Last Jedi uh, on the cliff with her and the lightsaber for the first time in the theater, I was like, she she is like a frontline warrior, you know, she's so... 
and I, I love this moment because he's like, "What? Where's she running to?" And she's looking, and you know, what would you think if you were Finn? Like, oh, <laughs> we're lined up exactly, by the way, which makes me really happy. I love how confident oh. Ray is. Like, you know that she it's not a stretch of your imagination to see the Ray that we're seeing right here become the Ray that we see later in the film in The Last Jedi. She is so confident. You can tell that she's so skilled, so trained, yeah. so disciplined that what we see later in the film makes complete sense. She's so confident, but it's by necessity. But she's so sensitive. Like in another society where she was more coddled, she'd probably be a very sensitive girl. She's super confident by necessity. And that's why in The Last Jedi, one of my favorite parts is when she just unloads to Luke early on, being like, I need help. I'm feeling this thing. Please help me, basically. You know what I'm talking about in the tree. Um, and that's why it was so believable as strong as she is. You can't have her just be, and this was the Jin Erso reshoots that I always talk about was that Jin was just a bitter badass. And they were like, this is not going to work in star Wars. We need to make her more likable, have a more relatable backstory and stuff. But the Ray is effortless. Sorry. I'm just really quickly Ray's just effortless from the beginning in this role. I mean, she goes from tough to sensitive and sweet on like that. Can I share something with you that I just realized? Of course. I just realized that this first, fourth, third of the film, mm-hmm. Ray, I really like. I really like how adorable, innocent, and sweet she is. And after seeing her in The Last Jedi, it makes me appreciate this version or interpretation right oh, now with go. Ray. Hold my hand. This is all a direct nod to the original movie with Hansel and Luke trying to, like, protect Leia and Leia having to protect them, you know? It's great. Yeah, I love the action. They're running through the village and it's exploding and look at BB-8 go. And, you know, that's that's practical in that scene, right? With BB? Where he's running? Or do you think he's moving too quickly? No, he's moving perfectly. From this moment until they meet Harrison Ford and they get to the resistance base. And I have a really bizarre thing to share with you when we get to the Poe taking out the TIE fighters thing. Oh, here we go. Is amazing. And I used to, when I originally, oh, just really quickly as an example of how my view changed, I used to think this movie dragged in the middle. And now the middle of this movie is probably my favorite. Like from here until the end of Maz's palace is probably my favorite part of the movie. I have to say that my least favorite part is probably the what is what are they called the, the, the spaceship scene. Yeah, I, I don't really care for that. Yeah, that's how I felt too. But then you see Han Solo making jokes. Tasu Leach, good to see you. I mean, it's it's just, yeah. Well, we'll see what we get there. That's what changed for me because I agreed with you big time. I said it on the podcast, but uh, here we go. I'm talking about the raptor scene. Uh, oh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. The afterwards. raptors don't look great. Yeah. The, the boar gullet looked a lot better than the raptor. That's for sure. That one's garbage. And boom, that ship gets destroyed. By the way, they, they, they do this in Last Jedi, but it's so quick. People don't notice when they're on fucking, um, not crate, the, uh, the, the Vegas planet. You want to talk about a moment in a Star Wars oh, film yeah. that really pops you it's the moment that the Falcon is first revealed, and you do see, see the Falcon in the background. Again, 
her hunking and junking ships makes sense that she'd be able to hotwire something like this, which is a piece of shit anyways. Although, as it's portrayed in the Han Solo uh, prequel movie, uh, not such a piece of shit when they first got it. I love how Finn like, doesn't know what to do. Like He's sitting in a chair like moving. I mean, that movement shot, I'm sorry, that movement shot with the chair is the exact shot of Han and Luke fighting the TIE Fighters and the Falcon in oh, New yeah. Hope. It's the exact shot. No, watch. No, see people. It's like, how did Ray know how to fly? Look at her flying the ship. She, I she's hitting the ground. Me. Can I be honest with you? It's not until I heard people say these things that I even considered it. Her character was immediate. Just like Jyn Erso, being able to beat up stormtroopers was believable to me. Ray's character from top to bottom was believable to me from the beginning. I never questioned it. Oh, here it is. Woohoo! I love this scene. This, this series of scenes right here where she's flying the Falcon and running away from the tie fighters oh it's, it's very here's classic. the star trek shot oh look at this oh, oh my god Woo! yeah i i'm 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 starting to hit that i love this film more than yeah. what i thought yeah yeah this is like jedi and, and rogue one you're like okay for better or worse i'm in i like i'm buying into this yeah you're like yeah i i, I love this film but i really love this film it's so unique look at that oh man you know, people complain about this film being too much like the original trilogy, but oh, it, it hits all the right spots right there with the classic original trilogy targeting screen and the Falcon, because this right here, it can be right out of the original trilogy. I was going to go into all that in the intro, and I decided to avoid it for, for time. Look at this. Oh, my God. That looks good. I cannot wait. You have to admit, oh, the Falcon God. and the Han Solo trailers look spectacular. Yeah, it it just oh my god! I'm I'm sorry. I'm really rediscovering my love for this film. It's so good. Look at him. He's still blasting, and they're gonna blast the gun, and it's gonna get stuck. And Ray's gonna have to pull the baddest ass maneuver ever. Watch this shit. This is unbelievable. And look at the cinematography here. How well it's shot. JJ Abrams is the is the best. Honestly, he is so the perfect. He needs to come back for episode nine. I'm so glad that happened. Yeah. By the way, I'm so great. Oh, here it comes. Here it comes. <laughs> I love it. Now, that is very Lucas, isn't it? Where there's something big going on and it cuts to something on the low end. A thousand percent. Look, I've said it before. All the directors are trying to please Lucas. Ron Howard doesn't have to try because they're buddies. Gareth Edwards won Lucas's heart because Rogue One was so much like the original trilogy. J.J. and Ryan Johnson did not get open approvals from Lucas. He didn't negatively approve it, but he didn't embrace it quite to the same level. But I, I, I don't know why, because this is so Star Wars, this entire movie. Now, the zoom-in shot is a shot in film that I don't really care for, but I think it works in there. Yeah, but but that's that's the J.J. Star Trek thing you just got to roll with. It's like Joss Whedon with Serenity. You got to move the camera around, zoom in. Battlestar Galactica does it all the time. And another thing that he does is the camera shine, right? You know what I'm talking about with the glass? Yeah, yeah. Everyone talks about the lens flare. He does it literally two or three times per movie. People make a huge deal about it. Here it comes! Oh! Yeah. Awesome. I feel like I just did it. I feel like I just did that. That's how great it was. <laughs> that is. Woo! And see, she doesn't waste any minute. She leaves the planet. And that right there, that right there, that scene right there, it's right out of the original trilogy. Like when Luke le- leaves Hoth or Dagobah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I tell you a line that I, I said 
in my first commentary a couple years ago that I've really regret saying. Go for it. I quote, If Ray and Finn don't end up together by the end of the trilogy, it would be un-American. What? Unquote. I really regret saying that because I view their friendship so differently now. See, their relationship right now reminds me of a relationship between a preteen boy and a preteen girl. Yeah. Because they're, they're, they're both coming from isolated situations. Finn was in the Stormtrooper program and Ray was isolated on a planet. So basically, they are stumped that way. You know, it just happens. I totally agree. Oh, this is it. My f- This is actually probably when I fully bought. I was like 80, 90% in. This is where I bought in to this new vision of Star Wars. Look, look, look at Kylo. Kylo's like so menacing. He's emotionless. He's talking to droid. He stole a freighter. Not exactly, say. I'm going to put out the obvious. This is Adam Driver in the costume a thousand percent of the time. It's never not him. Oh, yeah. It's not uh, a hard costume. By the way, 2187, you know what that's a reference to? Of course you do. Now, now, see, would you be more afraid of Vader or Kylo in their moments of rage? You, you would have to be afraid of Kylo because he's such, he's such a loose cannon. It, let me put it this way. In terms of my daily life serving under Vader, I'd be much more scared of Vader. But in terms of being in front of Kylo Ren, I'd be way more scared of Kylo Ren because he'll just murder you. So let's put it this way. You have failed. You have to face either Vader or Kylo. Who would you rather face? I'd rather face Vader because he would at least listen to my argument, whereas Kylo's already made up his mind ahead of time. And not only that, but it would probably be over a lot quicker. Yeah, I mean, you know, I make a lot of jokes about how uh, I think Kylo is just a, a sl- somewhat better realized that what I think Lucas was originally trying to do with Anakin. That's just my personal opinion. Uh, although I do like Anakin a lot, but I will say Anakin, when he's reasonable, is way more reasonable than Kylo ever is. Okay, well, we're getting to a classic moment right here. Oh, yeah. Oh, my yep, God. Yep, yep here we go. I felt like we didn't get enough of this in Last Jedi either. Here we go. Thumbs up. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Best gag ever in cinema, period. Yeah. I love the relationship there between uh, Finn and the droid here. The one that I'm pointing to. See, see, I, I, I'm no. not trying to be insensitive, but this is very classic. You're pointing at something and the other person's like, cannot find it. It's like, no, 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 a little left, a little left. Do you not see what I'm pointing to? <laughs> it's just funny because it's so realistic. You know, have you ever been in that situation? Sorry, I'm just watching these two. Just kill it. I mean... They own the movie, you know? Like, uh. See, Steve Finn is such an innocent Uh-oh. kid here. See, he puts his hand right here <laughs> on Ray. <laughs> yeah. oh, I missed that. We're going to get more of that episode nine. I'm so excited. Yeah. It, it's the, the little touches, and most of the, these little touches were captured in the reshoots. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, go. Are they, in a way, the reverse Luke-Leia, in that Luke-Leia seemed to be borderline romantic and turned into siblings, and this is kind of 
actually no not reverse like mirror like this is like mirroring that almost and that it appears to be romantic at first but it's really gonna be siblings and we missed a, a funny moment with BB-8 falling on Finn. But no, so the interaction between Finn and Ray is so innocent to me that I don't see the romance between no, it because it's, it's so innocent. I just thought that's where they were going. I didn't want them to. I, I didn't feel like it was the way Jin and Cassian are at all, which I love. Here we go. Han Solo. Okay. Oh, this is it. This is it. This is why the middle of the movie has become my favorite because... I have realized this is my favorite Han, um, sorry, not my favorite Han Solo, my favorite Harrison Ford performance personally in my lifetime. I love this Harrison Ford performance. I think I still have to go with A New Hope. I think I would have to rewatch A New Hope to confirm this, no but way. you cannot be his performance in this. <laughs> I'm the pilot. Oh, uh, was that what Bodhi was referencing when he kept saying I'm the pilot in Rogue One? That's hilarious. It could be a throwback. Look at this shooting. It's so tight. Every shot. Boom, boom, boom. Junkyard. <laughs> oh my god. Jedi Geek Girl, you and I have been on the bandwagon for the solo movie forever. I feel like we're going to have to take our victory lap at some point. You can see it here. I love the chemistry between Han and Chewie, and being able to see that again with this film is just... It sells you on the film. <laughs> no, the smuggler. <laughs> She's more proud of him being a smuggler, and he's a war hero. It's great. I like how when Finn talks to Chewie about it, Chewie's like, eh, no big deal. I love the smirk on Han's face. <sighs> Look, I, I wonder, I wonder, you know, we know that Han Solo movie is The Force Awakens, and Luke's film is The Last Jedi. I wonder if we were supposed to get Leia. Yeah, we were. Everyone knows pick. it. No, 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 no. I mean, that scene right there with them in the cockpit. I was wondering if we were going to get Leia in the cockpit in episode nine. I mean, she's in the Falcon literally at the end of episode eight, so that would make sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know what I'm saying. Just to have yeah. a little... Here it is. So there's a direct line between him calling it Hocus Pocus in episode four to him saying it's true, all of it coming up. It's an amazing journey for this character. I love this moment right here. I guess so serious. Yeah, I knew him. I knew Luke. That's the thing. Here's what's so crazy, Jaggy Girl. Without the big three, these two guys with Poe and Kylo and company could have carried this movie anyways, but you add the big three in the way they did, and it just elevates it to you know all-time great. I mean, I think like Last Jedi and Rogue One, this is one of the all-time great like blockbuster movies ever. I think all three are. I don't know about you, but the first time watching this film, when he says, I knew him, I knew Luke, right there in that moment, you are like, what happened? I want to know that story. Look at Chewie. He, he's so nonchalant about things. It's, he just rolls with the punches. By the way, I was shocked that the Harrison Ford did that surprise stunt in Alden Ehrenreich. He never does that kind of stuff. I was like, wow, he must really like this kid. <laughs> that was pretty awesome. He told him to get the hell out of his chair, and Alden Ehrenreich like, jumped back. He didn't realize he was joking, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Okay, I'm going to do some accents coming up. I apologize. It's coming. 
Country Club. Here we go, Balotic. On solo. Hello. <laughs> You're dead, man. <laughs> so overpowered in Star Wars Destiny. I think one of the best things about Han Solo is he's. How do I put this? He it seems like he he always he's not good at this stuff of improvising his way out of situations. Like he can't talk himself out of this situation. So are you saying that there's another like major smuggler character out there in Star Wars that you think is is smoother and better at these situations? Is what you're saying? And actually competent <laughs> at his job? Yeah, I think I might have heard of somebody. <laughs> <laughs> Tesla Leach, good to see you. Yeah. <laughs> I know this movie by heart. It's great. Wrong again, Solo. It's over for you. <laughs> this is why I love the middle of this movie, despite the weird aliens. This shit is amazing. <laughs> Twice. <laughs> I knew. Yeah, see, even Chewie is like, <laughs> I, I love Chewie in this film. He's like so, he rolls with the punches. Look, Chewie and Donald Glover are going to sell a billion and a half dollars of tickets for Disney. It doesn't even matter about Hot Solo. That's how crazy Star Wars is. Now, see, I believe in these scenes, this is Peter Matthews. Mmm. And in the action scenes, that's the one that's going to take over because he was in this film, Peter Matthews, playing Chewbacca. I will say, Harrison Ford in the new Blade Runner movie was excellent, but this movie is way better, and he didn't have enough of a role in the new Blade Runner movie, which is part of why it wasn't as good as it could have been. Well, i never seen it, so I cannot say for sure. You would hate it. Here we go. I love this moment. This looks really fake, the CGI. I, I love the look on all their face. Oh no, look, see, it cuts to her and it zooms in. To me, that uh, right there, that reminds me of what, an 80s film? Where it zooms in like that? On a character? You know what I'm talking about, right? Can can I bring in your profession really briefly? Yeah, go ahead. Go for it. Or your side profession. The fact that Balatik was like a major factor in the Star Wars Destiny meta for many, many, many months is part of the reason they are having problems, in my opinion. Like, that's a perfect example of why. He's a worthless character. Fuck that. Why aren't Leia more powerful and Padme more powerful? It's ridiculous. Well, because they are less restricted by having to conform the design of a character to line up with the canon version. They have more freedom with characters that don't have a lot of screen time because there's a lot of improvisation they can do where your Leia and your Han, they have a lot of history, so they have to conform to a thematic setting. So so this actually looks worse than The Matrix, which came out like more than a decade before it. It's not an insult at the movie. It's just like the first Avengers movie. They ended up short on budget and short on time. It just, they had to make compromises. And the actors sell it so well, it doesn't really matter. Oh, well, I think they move so quick. it moves so quickly and it doesn't focus on it that it doesn't really distract Do you think that much? was a foreshadowing there? The spinning shot on Ray where she's hearing the echoes? Do you think that's a foreshadowing shot to, to Maz? I never thought about that before. I never really thought. No, see, this right here is her tapping into the force unknowingly. And she won't take credit for it, which is great. I love it. It shows humidity. Uh, uh, not humidity. It shows her being humbled. Yes, but also from a more complex perspective, it's just her not wanting to deal with him thanking her and stuff like that because he's constantly trying to save her all the time. 
That's true. She's like annoyed with him trying to save her all the time. <laughs> but then she's glad at the end. That's what's great. She's glad when he comes for her at the end, even though she frees herself. Oh, no. You know, you don't want to like a moment of a classic character being shot, but Hans, of Chewie being shot there, there's just something about that moment that really sticks out to you because it's not something that you see, especially with Chewbacca. So here's the divide among Star Wars fans, in my opinion. The Star Wars fans who go, Oh, it's so unrealistic that Han Solo wouldn't have used Chewie's crossbow blaster in all these years. Like, come on, man. And people who are like, dude, finally Han Solo using Chewbacca's blaster, which is us enjoying the movie. So guys out there, if you're here, I think you enjoyed the movie. Stop being so over analytical. It's Star Wars. As you have pointed out, and I point out, this is science fantasy. Enjoy the care. Oh, man. <laughs> I love this moment right here where Finn is trying to treat Chewie and Chewie's like, I'm in pain. Don't mess with me. There's the ball. <laughs> He tried to kill me like six times. <laughs> yeah, that's not going to damage the Falcon. We've seen this before. I believe this is called getting hyperspaced in the face coming up. I love I love how Ray's like um, over there. Yeah, that's... Okay. Yeah, that okay. The Raptor just basically disintegrated. Informed on the first order. Uh, uh, okay, so here begins the discussion. Points in favor of Ray being somebody i think the two main ones are the ways han solo um and leia and stuff always look are looking at her interestedly is one and i think the other is kylo being interested in the girl without knowing anything else about her but if you hear maz's speech and a lot of other stuff in the movie it does seem to indicate already that she's a nobody i don't know if jj had an intention here or was leaving it open what do you think in terms of jj's process at this point with her parentage well first off i want to say that while we're talking we're seeing the introduction of snoke and the imagery of here is beautiful because when you see this film for the very first time you don't know that that's a hologram it looks realistic and stuff like that but anyways back to your question jj abrams is a creator of the mystery box i believe you talked about this or somebody else talked about no this. So i, I disagree up. with this theory r- rapidly but go ahead really yeah interesting yeah because i think if the mystery box buys you five or six seasons of great tv then it's worth it and almost no one has a great finale season or episodes in all of television. So I, I'm all about that personally, but yeah, I, I get what it. I, what I was saying is, and I am repeating this second and third hands. I didn't hear about it, but according to what I heard, it is something that J.J. Abrams talked about in his storytelling about creating a mystery box and how he tells the story that way. And you can see it in this film. I can't say that for sure because I have not seen him talk about the mystery box, but I have heard him being associated with the mystery box. Here's what I know. I know that he was already talking with Ryan Johnson about episode eight while this movie was being made. I know that he was not preparing to do episode nine and they were already talking about episode nine while this was being made. So I just can't believe that JJ would stick future directors really in the ass multiple times. Oh, here we go. (laughs) Right there, that reminded me of Chewie in A New Hope when he yells at the droid to go away. (laughs) 
<laughs> I bypassed the compressor. <laughs> huh. Move ball. Every Han line in this movie is great. You know that Kazdin was writing. Yeah. I have a great Kazdin putting JJ in his place, writing a story later that you might know about when it comes to him and Leia, but I'll save it till then. Here's the chessboard. Mm-hmm. But obviously when JJ Abrams mm-hmm. was writing this, he was collaborating with Ryan Johnson and what's his name at the time. I'm not saying that he was creating a mystery box without having an idea where he was going, but he left it up to the other directors to create their stories and not conform it. You know what I'm saying? He had to create a universe, establish it, and not box in other directors. Okay, so I'll be, let me be more specific. This is beautiful to look at. He's talking about Luke and training the Jedi, and they betrayed him. Um, so, J.J. builds this world. He writes it with Kazan. He shoots it, and then they do a rewrite, and they do reshoots. Always happens. Every movie. So I'm saying... Do you think there was a point where he decided one way or the other that what he wanted, or he just left it ambiguous like all the way through the process? Because I don't believe that. I don't think he wanted her to be anyone. I think he was just teasing fans based on his collaboration with Ryan Johnson, but I don't know for sure. I agree with what you just got done saying. I don't think he had an idea in mind. He just dropped clues and just let it, you know. But this is a very powerful moment that we're talking about right here. It's true. Yeah, look at this. This trailer shot sold it. The, the Chewie I'm home and this sold people on this movie a thousand percent. Look at them. Beautiful. It's all true. <laughs> you know what it is about Daisy Ridley? Is that even when she's frowning, she's smiling in her mm-hmm. eyes. She just has those smiling eyes. It's really... And actually, John Boyega does, too. John Boyega always seems to be smiling, even when he's frowning. And now we see the introduction of... (laughs) That was not a good green screenshot. Come on, JJ. Here's the thing. Here's the thing, JG girl. I'm going to say this once. I'm going to let it go. Mention off mic. Maybe mention on mic. I can't remember now. I still think JJ's 2009 Star Trek reboot was a slightly better JJ movie. This is by far my more favorite and watch movie because I love Star Wars so much. But Star Trek 09 looked amazing. I felt like they almost were constrained by the budget. I remember hearing the budget for this was 220 million after Ultron was like 250 to 300 and being like not understanding why it had such a lo- relatively low budget, even though it's a ton of money. Sorry. I can agree with you to up that. I can agree with you on that to a point, but it's like apples and oranges to me. But I do remember the Star Trek 2009 being wonderful and capturing my imagination of how the story was told and how it was shot. But I mean, I've seen it a million times. I watched this movie way, way more. And I think this is the high, the level of difficulty, even though both were reboots, the level of difficulty for this particular reboot was a thousand times higher. A look at her with the gun. Okay, so I talk I talked to my, my first commentary, which I haven't referenced much, about I don't think she was acting much in this scene. She was just responding to Harrison Ford and it works perfectly. 
Look at her. Look at her smiling at him. Oh, my God. You can just take a photo of any of those. Oh, my God. Yeah. Usually, in that moment, you're focusing on Han Solo and not looking at her, but seeing her react to him. She's so excited. Can, can, I, can I just be real about Daisy Ridley for, for a minute here? While she turns him down. But for a second, I was going to say I love her little, the touch of the hair on the two sides of her. It's a very small touch. But go for it. I was just going to say, she actually suffers from major skin conditions and has spent a lot of money and time on her skin. It looks so pure and perfect like Leia in the old movies, but she actually has skin problems and she talks about it openly, which again endears me like Carrie Fisher with her mental illness problems. I endears me when that people are open about it and, and like you can't even tell the point I'm making here is not to draw attention to it because you'll never see it because she is gorgeous but that these actors work a lot harder than you might think in a lot of cases and by the way she got super buff for episode eight um I mean like I said like almost intimidatingly buff for episode eight which was so awesome <laughs> All right, here we go. The entrance of Maz. So why does he make... But he tells them, like, Maz is going to be ugly and horrible. I don't understand that. That never made sense to me. Well, first off, before I dive into that, I want to look at this continuous shot right here where we see all the creatures. You know who wrote this music? Uh, no. Lin-Manuel Miranda of Hamilton and Moana and uh, other fame. Okay, that makes sense. Now, when he says... Don't look at it, all, any of it. I'm pretty sure he's talking about the Mars castle, not so much about Mars. So, if I complain about some of the other CGI, Mars continues to work for me over the years, big time. Yeah, she does. Because there's someone walking in there in that suit when she walks around. Oh, that's what's her name? <laughs> um, Bish. Bish. Yeah. yeah, I love her. No, John Williams specifically said he didn't want to write any more cantina music. So they're like, Lin-Manuel, Hamilton, most popular play in the country for the last 10 years. Write something for us. I just think it's uh, interesting that it's Ojaba. I do love also that the sexy lady is working for the bad guys and the droid is working for the good guys. It's great. Yeah. Uh, Her name is Bess. What's her name? There's the double-decker Star Destroyer. Uh-huh. This is it. This is it. This is when the saga truly starts right here. This is when everything comes together. I know we've had the review about Han Solo. This speech and this imagery, what he does with his head, and this to me when I was like, okay, this is going to be maybe as epic as the original Star Wars trilogy. Now, when Snoke told Kylo that the ship is with his father, did you find that moment a little bit underwhelming, that reveal? The problem is that's based totally on whether the level to which I thought that that was going to happen ahead of time, and I honestly can't remember is the problem. Well, I remember finding that moment, that (sighs) reveal through Snoke, underwhelming. I liked it. I liked it because I don't like big plot twists and reveals generally. Um, okay. Okay. Yeah. I prefer the character building stuff. 
and it pays off because you're waiting for the confrontation between them the whole time. That's true. I just thought that it being stated in passing was a bit underwhelming for me, but... Uh, can I make a quick plug? Yeah, go for it. One of the reasons you need to see Black Panther other than Lupita Nyong'o here is the women are all the fucking bad. I mean, Black Panther's the king, but other than that, the women are the badasses from his mom to his bodyguards, everyone in Black Panther. Lupita Nyong'o and all the fucking Dora Milaje in them are amazing. Lupita Nyong'o is an amazing actress who's done voice work on all levels, acting work on all levels. She is a genius. And I think the reason people reason the reason people were pissed about the very small Maz role in, in Last Jedi was they wanted more. Like people just want like substantive Maz. I hope we get it. Yeah, Maz is definitely one of those characters that you want to see more of, and I can see why people were so disappointed in Last Jedi that we didn't get more of her. Definitely, oh, I can oh, definitely see that. Oh, this is great! I love. <laughs> I love so, how he captures this moment because if that happened in real life, it would be very weird. And Finn reacts accordingly, like, hey, this is very weird. What is she doing? Don't you love how Han Solo is getting a sick sense of pleasure out of this? <laughs> yeah, he, he, he knows. Okay, so this is the direct line from Finn at the, to the very end of Finn at Last Jedi, I think. Scared as a rabbit, you know? I love how serious he is. Like, he knows what the First Order is capable of. So here's where I'm conflicted in the next 10 minutes is that the Ray Amaz talk and the Ray flashbacks is one of my favorite part of cinema ever. But him just leaving and then her running into the woods never really added up for me. That's my only guys. I was going to say this in the intro. I saved it for the movie. My only major problem in terms of staging and filming scenes in this entire movie is what happens in the next five minutes. But I love the Maz Ray stuff. So I still can't complain that much. I think you almost have to have it because it's part of the heel and the heroine story where the heel or heroine runs from it, it's just a natural part of storytelling. The rejection of the call, I believe is what it's called. Who's the girl? There it is. Yeah. But people don't understand English. Because she says to Ray, there is nobody coming. There's nobody waiting. What did she say? There's nobody waiting for you. There's nobody coming for you. But there's someone who might still be referring to Luke Skywalker or something like that. But like, yes. the way she says it is like, you don't have a family coming back, but Luke Skywalker might be a guy you want to hang out with, which is essentially what happens. Yeah, she said it right there. It, it, stop looking back and start looking forward. But the, but the way she phrases it is specifically saying Luke Skywalker is not your family because I just dismissed your family and now I'm introducing Luke Skywalker. Like, exactly. It seems set up for Ryan Johnson's vision. So I don't know why people are so surprised by it. Yeah, I never got the fascination with Ray and her family from this film. Like people were speculating we they this. were drawing connections and I never could. Huh? No, no, I'm, I didn't mean to stop. I'm just saying we agree heavily on this issue. Yeah, I, I'm like, I, I don't buy it. I don't see the connections. To me, it's kind of a stretch. But Well, it's like Finn is specifically not related to anyone that we could possibly know because he was taken at birth, right? So exactly. do we care for him any less because he's not born to royalty? 
Doesn't it make Ray cooler that she's super powerful and not related to Kenobi or Skywalker? Like, I don't... It's it's like Star Wars fans... Some Star Wars fans are almost like they double back on the things they claim to want just to find things to complain about. And Can I, can I be real sorry. here for a second before we jump into the Force again? I'm, I, yeah, please be real. I've been preaching. I'll I do up. think it has to do with her being a woman. I think if it was a man, I don't think people would be so obsessed with her lineage. You know, her, her head. To be fair, even people I know who don't love the new movies... I rarely hear disparagement at Ray in particular. I've heard disparagement towards even John Boyega or Kelly Marie Tran or other characters. Ray, I generally don't hear disparagement towards. Here's the scene. Well, what I'm talking about is I'm talking about people's obsession with her and her parents and her family. I think if she was a man, there wouldn't be so much. I think it's because they love her. That's the crazy part. They love Ray so much. They want their fantasy to be lived out through her. I, I, I just don't get it, but that's me. But anyways, we're about to jump into a very fascinating scene. So we did the final five episodes of Star Wars Rebels and World Between Worlds, which we've talked about endlessly, starts with voices throughout the past, dozens and dozens. By the way, I went back. Jin's voice is in there with Princess yeah. Leia's. Um, and they have uh, we hear all the old voices from all the old characters and all the properties, and we're about to experience something similar. So please, I want to hear your commentary on this whole thing. Go. Alright, here we go. We see the treasure chest opening. We see Luke Skywalker's lightsaber. And as soon as she touches here, three, two, one, here we go. We jump into a fourth vision. And very interesting. We haven't seen this before. Right here, we're seeing the Cloud City right here. And in the book, she sees Luke and Vader fighting off. We hear Luke say no. And we're jumping right here to the fall of Luke's academy here. We've seen this in the last shot. Luke Skywalker, very symbolic. And here, we don't know if this is in the future or the past, but we know that Kylo Ren is slaughtering people. This has to be, I wouldn't be surprised if this is the future. That is the Knights of Ren right behind him. It, it, it wouldn't be the past because he wasn't in his classroom. We see little Ray right here, young Ray, in the heart of Uncar Plot looking. Which is why this could never be Luke. Luke Hanley would never do this to a child of theirs. That's the. I noticed that the ship goes up into a red laser, laser, and right here we're jumping into the future of Starkiller Base. Right there, there's so much you guys can talk steps. about right there. But yeah, so this is it. This is it. This is it. No, that was amazing. It's but everything you just described is leading to this. Yeah, the lightsabers with Luke and his father before him, and now it calls to you. Have to get back to Shaku. This is why you needed Donnie Yen's character Chirrut in Rogue One. This exact thing right here. You needed some force mysticism in Rogue One. And I so appreciate that they just do it here between these two women who are so different. Both women. You already know the truth. Whoever yeah. you're waiting for on Jaku. She Jacques. says it. She specifically says they're not coming back. They're never back. coming back. Yeah. She knows. But... But there's someone who still could. So logically speaking, in philosophical debate, if she just said there's someone who still could, that's referring to Luke, and they're not coming back from you. Therefore, they are not coming back from you cannot be referring to Luke. Therefore, she's not a Skywalker. Exactly. It's simple deduction. Yes, my dear Watson. I love <laughs> simply elementary. Boom! 
I love this analysis and description of the force right here. Her face, by her I mean both of them, their faces look amazing. It is. And you know Lupita was there during the Ray's delivery. Like, you know it. Mm-hmm. That Disney doesn't fuck around. Andy Circus, he's there for everything. Okay, so in this moment right here, this after touching the light shape, could you imagine being in that situation? It is such a shock that her running away like that when she knows that it opens up the door to a larger world doesn't surprise me at all. Can I can I ask a self critical question here from you? Go for it. Is this a Disney princess moment that I always defend, and so I should just suck up and let go because it doesn't last very long? Like Belle running into the forest kind of thing before she comes back. Like, just because uh, it doesn't make sense with her character. Oh, this is great. Okay. I always talk about Jedi Geek Girl. If you're going to be a horribly evil, one dimensional bad guy, it's all about delivery and performance. And this speech with his eyes almost glazed over is so frightening. The Nazi vision. I think the fact that Rogue One was a movie that came out after the Trump election as opposed to this one. But like if this came out right after this Trump election, you'd be like, oh, my God. The symbolism is very real. That's for sure. Trump's a Nazi. But, like I said, I said it before, and I'm going to say it again. I totally buy her running into the woods, because sometimes you're overwhelmed, and you need to get away and get a couple of moments to yourself. I wouldn't have done the swelling music. Maybe just kept it low-key. Okay, this is all Star Trek right here. All these young, attractive, multi-ethnic people in the control room. Very uh, from his Star Trek movie. So is this. Let's be honest. From a purely physical standpoint, Starkiller Base is actually way cooler than the Death Star and way scarier. And this image is crazy. But I have such mixed feelings about this because this was so... Look at his eyes. And it's so sad. They kill so many people. Sorry. It, oh, sorry. it is. You know what? You know what? The robbery of it oh. is. This, this is such a powerful moment and it's glossed over. Like, it's not Aldron being blown up. No, it's the whole system being blown up. And look at the music here. The J.J. Abrams lens flare that you were talking about that we just saw? Yeah. That is what happens naturally with camera lenses. So his style is actually to... Oh, my God. He just leaves it in as opposed to taking it out. This is crazy. This looks just like Starfleet Academy in San Francisco in Star Trek. Look how terrifying that is. Could you imagine being in that situation? It's like, oh, my God. See, this is what we don't have in A New Hope. Where we see... Look at... Oh, wow. You know? Yes, but as Simi correctly pointed out in the Rogue One podcast... The Rogue One Death Star Blasts are way more affecting because we see all the people on the ground get murdered by it, even though it's a single reactor engine. So I don't feel anything other than general sorrow for the people who just died because I didn't really experience it. All the planets just went boom, just like Alderaan in the first planet. So ultimately, I didn't think it was that effective. I didn't know I didn't know the Death Star. And it's saved because of Harrison Ford constantly making jokes about the Death Star. Okay, here we go. No, but I do agree with that, what you said about Rogue One compared to The Force Awakens. But having said that, The Force Awakens, with its destruction of the planet, is still powerful looking yes. back oh, on yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, so. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm just a, a supporter of, if you're going to make movies about war, you have to see the human consequences of it. But we do see it in this. Okay, okay, Jedi Geek Girl, I'm going to say it right now. 
I'm not making this up. I hadn't seen this movie in nine months since the theater. I watched it on digital file. I did the commentary. And when Poe comes in a little bit and they do that one shot where he's hitting all the TIE fighters in a single shot, I said, you can look on the, I said he shoots down 13 TIE fighters. I just guessed it. And he shoots down 13. So we have to count to see if it's actually 13. I guessed it right on that because I'm such a nerd, but so proud. But this coming up with the X-Wing, oh, we still have a ways to go. But that's my favorite part of the movie because I'm a resistance guy. I'm a rebel guy. I love it. It is a very good moment. I really like that moment. Oh, poor Maz's planet. It's probably gotten destroyed a million times before, let's be honest. <laughs> yeah, because she's been around for a century. So Yes, she's been around for a century. You know what I'm saying? Oh, I'm sorry. Millennium. She's been around for a thousand mm-hmm. years, not a hundred years. This is another interesting scene. So she doesn't know the safety. Of the, yeah. I love the look on her face when she tries to fire the first time. So. This does look like the Haunted Woods from Disney movies, which I love. That's the thing. I love that our Star Wars princesses are Disney princesses now. I'm a huge fan of that. I know not everyone is, but I don't care. I wear it shamelessly. Well, J.J. Abram talks about that, about how he was looking for that fantasy Disney, not Disney, you know, princess, medieval type setting, and it you can see it here. Well, and Ryan, too, with his, you know, Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter fantasy setting also, I felt like, was really in that genre. And David Filoni, too. So oh, here yeah. we see Han Solo right here. One, boom. two. Here comes the no look. Boom. <laughs> So, I'm sorry. I know the movie by heart. I'm trying not to talk. I'm trying not to. <laughs> Look how real Maz looks. She looks so yeah. real. I need a weapon. You have a weapon. You have one. I have a theory, Jedi Geek Girl, that people think with CGI, you should go non as non-human as possible. I think the closer you keep to the human form, it actually works better with CGI, whether it's Maz or Stormtroopers or, you know, like, I just, like... It's like Spider-Man versus Iron Man. Spider-Man looks so much more real than Iron Man because Spider-Man looks like a human form. Oh, I do like, yeah, I do like Han Solo with the crossbow. It's very... It's a good look. Petrita, here we go. So this is when everyone says the fight should have been with Phasma, right? This is the agreed upon point where Phasma should have been the fighter. Also, how do they have a run-of-the-mill weapon that can handle a lightsaber? It makes no sense. Well, it's a part of the... It's- it's been established in Star Wars that there is technology that can deflect a lightsaber. It would be... So what makes a lightsaber special, then? I could just get one of those batons. Yeah, that's, that's true. It cheapens the lightsaber. You should smash right through them. Boom. <laughs> and the ragdoll. You know, people talked about how that should have been a fight with Phasma, but what the fight with Phasma was a lot more even than okay. this fight all right i'm turning the volume up because this is the theme music to the bizzlecast as you guys know the resistance theme coming up they barely are captured oh my god jagger girl this gives me chills every single time i know i'm a nerd i'm sorry i love this oh yes i don't blame you yeah. Woo! Copy that, Jess. Yeah, snap. Woo! I love it. Oh, I miss these pilots. 
Yes. You know, this reminds me of the theme in The Last Jedi. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is the best battle in the movie. Uh, you know, no doubt the space battle. This is amazing. Right. Here we go. Yes, Jim. No, I'll, I'm gonna. I'll, I'll. I'll get us into it. All right, they got the weapons back. Here we go. <laughs> so now he's got a blaster and the lightsaber. Shoots that guy. Yeah. Here we go. One, two, two three, four. Three, four. Oh, four. Five, there's more. Five, six. 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 I don't count those guys. Seven, Seven eight, eight, nine, nine ten. ten. Okay, ten. Yeah, ten. I guess I counted the troops getting blown up in my original count. Still pretty impressive. <laughs> I, 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 I would personally still count the troopers, not as a ship, but as as a hit. As a hit, yeah. Yeah. It's tough. It's so smooth, the, the shooting. I agree, and I think in episode 9 we're going to get that BA poll, pilot poll. Okay, so here's the big philosophical question. What happens between Ray being scared and easily taken down by Kylo now and when he tries to mind-violate her in a little bit and she resists it? What, what, what changes? Well, let's look at this right now. She's in the forest, and there's this creature, for lack of better words, in black intimidating with a lightsaber using oh. a force that she's never seen before. It's a very frightening image. But when she later confronts him, it's a man behind the mask. So the intimidation is gone. It's her fighting, facing, uh, what is it, the demon or the dragon? The creature, whatever you want to call it in mythology. No, yeah, I, I'm just... I love this it's moment. It's so right Disney. Here, it's great. Where she turned around the lightsaber and she's petrified. Oh. She's horrified. I was going to say that. Oh, it, I, God. I, I forget how great Kylo is as a villain in this the beginning part of okay. this. So, the only thing I can compare the next 10 minutes to is the X Men, which is when you're mutant in the X Men, your powers come out and manifest most strongly when you're in late adolescence and you're in stress and then it just triggers that that is the best explanation i can come up with she clearly has it inside her but it takes being strapped down and him trying to get her brain in a couple minutes for the beast (laughs) to be unleashed if you will well, she said so herself that this was something in in her always there Mm -hmm. and then it got awoken like you said it wasn't awoken until she was confronted by somebody powerful uh, in the full of voice, so. God, I love Ray's music. It's so good. Look at him. Oh, this is so dramatic. Oh. I, I love the background of the battle. Like, this is going on, but you can tell, you can see the background, the battle in the background. I mean, running into frame in an epic shot with music and going, Ray! And making it, like, not only believable, but give you chills is so hard to do. John Boyega. Such a great actor. He he has such a great future ahead of him, as does Daisy Ridley, obviously. I agree. All right, here we go. We're going to see our princess. <sighs> so when I did this commentary, it was two months before Rogue One, and Carrie Fisher was alive and well. 
And I couldn't stop talking about how much I loved her, and I love her here. I love we, every second. We gotta talk about this coming up here, because you know what's going to happen here. It's a powerful moment here between Han up and look <laughs> who it is. She's the GPO. You probably didn't recognize me because of my red arm. <laughs> <laughs> Anthony Daniels, get out of the way. <laughs> I love it. But anyways, you were saying. No, I was only going to say that there was silence before he comes, and then there's more silence before they start talking. It's great. I love, if you noticed there, how C-3PO reacted to BB-8 like if it was R2-D2, like C-3PO is used to bossing around short droids. Look at her. I love her so much. (laughs) It hurts me how much I love her. You know, in this moment, I don't know when this scene was shot, but it's like you can read on her face that she's proud to be back into Star Wars. You could almost. I don't know if this was the first shot she shot. I'm I'm obviously crying right now. I'm tearing up. Woo! Okay, spaceships. Be manly. Spaceships. I will say, though, the thing is, you can understand that my Jyn Erso obsession is not in isolation, but is informed specifically by Princess Leia. All right, here we go. Yeah. Uh, Poe, Poe, oh, Poe, you, you complete me. He goes, you completed my mission. I'm like, you complete me. <laughs> here we go. Yeah. We see Poe coming down the train. We see BB-8 run to him. So is he more in love with this droid or Boyega? <laughs> Tried. <sighs> There's a gonk no, droid in the background. <laughs> there, look at the gonk droid. <laughs> no, I love this look. Look at the look on his face. He's so excited to see him. He's so happy. Oh, buddy. Oh, my and God. Then, I missed you so much, buddy. Now, look. Look. Look at the little light lip bite here. Look. Wait. Is that my jacket? No, it wasn't me. You completely finished. That's my jacket. See, look. You said you completed my mission. He basically said you complete me, right? Yeah, you complete me. I, I love that little touch there with the lip bite. Yeah, I actually don't think it's a gay thing. I think that guys act gayer with each other than guys admit, and that's what's actually going on here is just guys being gay with each other. Well, I look at it like who really cares? I just fight it. I love the chemistry. Carrie Fisher immediately acting like Princess Leia in all the original movies. A hundred percent, a thousand percent like older Leia. No, no change. I'm, it's unbelievable. Yeah, we see Billy in the background, and we see what's his name, Snap. I don't know the actor's name, but Snap in the background. Yeah, Temin. I love the, <laughs> I, I love this chemistry right here between oh, the nurse yeah. and the very scary. You quoted this. You must be so brave. <laughs> <laughs> I like that Wookiee. <laughs> yeah, I mean, who wouldn't want Chewbacca around? He's like a he's got a woman. In, I, I'm so afraid Chewbacca's wife's gonna get killed in the Han Solo movie. I think that's what's gonna happen. No, she she doesn't because it, she's referenced later in Do material. What? Do anything. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, we gotta focus on. I I know I said no too much play life. I tried to be helpful. When did that ever help? <laughs> Don't say the Death Star. <laughs> Oh, God. They're perfect. They're perfect. Yeah, I think she had to do too. 
but quickly I want to say that yeah, her his um wife she lived because she's mentioned in later canon materials after that film. So I. But anyway, the introduction of R2D2 here is very kind of depressing because we're so used to seeing him bouncing around happy and on, and his introduction is one being sleepy. He may never be his old self again. Here we go. Look, Every time look, I see you. I know these guys go decades without talking with each other in real life, but it's like they haven't skipped a fucking beat. Look at this. So Hollywood. I love it. It breaks my heart. <sighs> she gets him killed is the thing. That's when I lost you both. I know Harrison Ford was very affected by Carrie Fisher's passing, even though he didn't talk much about it. Hit yeah, hard. he's one of those individuals that I think hides it, but he obviously yeah. felt her death. No, he, does. he looks way older since she died than he did before. That's for sure. We can still save him, right? She really still believes, but she's wrong. I do think her, obviously, I do think her intentions were genuine. Definitely. You know, I think that's calling a kettle black, but you know what I mean. There's still a light in him. I know it. You're sounding like Luke Leia. Sometimes the good fight is a suicide mission, as we've talked about over and over again. Rogue One is a suicide mission. Hold though. The bombers, I mean, we see it constantly with them. Luke, you know? Sky- Luke, Luke Skywalker, Kanan, Qui-Gon Jinn. Yeah. Kind of. You just lose sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes you have okay. to lose to win. Okay. So... I compared this in 2015 to Jessica Jones. I felt like this and Jessica Jones in 2015, in terms of like, you know, big budget productions and dealing with essentially mind raping women or attempted mind rape of women was extremely powerful. Some people don't like the word rape being used here, but I don't know what else he's attempting to do in her head in about two seconds other than that. It's a very interesting choice of words because it's not like we've never seen this before, but you are basically going into an intimate part of somebody without their permission. And look, see, he looks like a prince right there. He looks like Anakin. He looks just like Anakin. Oh, my God. Yes, he does. Yeah. I thought that, yeah, the casting is perfect because you know he's the grandson of Anakin. And people are like, hey... This sequel trilogy has nothing to do with... Look at Kylo. Kylo screams prequel trilogy. He screamed Anakin. That, that, as a prequel lover, to use that terminology, I just, I just screamed because it is so awesome. They really knocked it. They really knocked it out of the pot with the casting. That was that was JJ's only mistake. Was unlike Ryan Johnson and Gareth Edwards, he just didn't embrace it. He should have just embraced it. You know. Like, he was, I don't know. He was dead set on making a J.J. Abrams movie. Oh, my God, look at her. Oh, God, this is so disturbing. Yeah, I I can definitely, yeah, you can definitely, you see the same thing that you, yeah, I don't want to get into it, but, yeah, you can see it. And yet, and yet, the only thing that makes this tolerable to watch is that he's clearly not trying to on the surface at least sexually violate her i think 
So you listen to the commentary, right? So you know that they shot this scene over and over again with different approaches and they made it intentional that he doesn't touch her because they found that when he touched her, it became uncomfortable. That's how on the edge this scene is. My only problem with the scene is it goes on way too long. In my no, opinion. I love it. I love it. I specifically talk in my first commentary that only in Star Wars could you have a five-minute stare-off between two people and it be compelling. I absolutely love it. Well, I don't disagree with you. I'm just talking about my personal thing. I find it go a little bit too long. No, I know. I'm saying that's like just like one of those weird, quirky things that I just... I never want this to end because of the music too and the way they're looking at each other and he's digging and his eyes start to show concern and suspicion and lack of confidence. Uh, but but having said that, when you watch this scene evolve, you see the change. You see him being in control, switching to her. You can see that in their faces and their body language. It does work and it does sell. I'm just saying, yeah, it, 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 it does work. Like, see, you can see that she's the one prodding now. And she's taking control of the situation. This is something that usually doesn't happen. And this is what makes Ray such a good character. Because yes, she is the one bound in the change. But she's taking control of the Darth situation. Vader. How does she know it's, who Darth Vader is? Or does she just read it from his mind? His mind. She, 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 she knows that. So there, and right there, that awoken a force in her. And look how much like a damaged and like scared animal he looks like here now all of a sudden. Right, and now Hux has the upper hand, which we see, you know, this battle go on in Last Jedi, which is great. He, I don't want to say he knows that he messed up, but he knows that he's kind of in over his head with Ray. Like, what did I just do? Well, to be fair, the First Order didn't have enough ships to defend their position, their, you know, so it's not really Kylo's fault in that sense. No, but I meant that he thought Ray was just going to be, for lack of better words, nobody, and ended it ended up being somebody that is his equal. That close shooting up on the face being so expressive really is like Lord of the Rings, Harry Potter-ish, you know what I mean? Oh, here's another one of my favorite scenes here. It is so perfect. See, people's like, how did she know how to? I don't care. People, oh God, do this. It's like she she was inside Kylo's head. It's you know the Force in a galaxy far, far away. People, just calm your minds and enjoy the movie. I like how he's like, what, 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 what did you say? That's Daniel Craig, by the way. Oh yeah, I know. No, no I know for the listeners. Oh, sorry. I'm not. It's not always about you, Jedi Geek Girl. Come on, we got listeners here. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I, I get so absorbed in the film, I often forget. Yeah. I'm just kidding. Look at him striding with the helmet. He's gonna go crazy. I love the little touch right here with his helmet clicking back right here, coming up here. See, and you see the helmet goes back like. Whoa. I will remove these restraints and leave this towel with the door open. And the best part of the scene is when he goes to leave and you will drop your weapon. <laughs> and I will drop my weapon. Perfect. Look, this movie made over $2 billion. How can you argue with the results? The scores from the critics were super high. The fans were super high. America loved 
this movie. Infinity War is going to make more movie money overall. This movie is crushing Infinity War in terms of domestic totals. So, hold on here for a second. So, that was originally supposed to be Matt Lanther and the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi right there. Oh, okay. Well, I think it was, but there wasn't voiceover. But I think it originally was supposed to be them. Yeah. Okay, so, as I was going to say in the intro, I don't think I got around to it. I only have two major problems with this entire movie. Literally, that's it. One is Ray running into the forest in a weird way. And the other is the lack of spaceships and the lackluster final battle and the fact that we have another Death Star. But again, seeing the Death Star portrayed so differently in Rogue One actually made me appreciate this more. Be like, who cares? It's just another excuse for a battle against the super weapon. So even that has gone down over time. But they can never do this again. A big ball of death. They just can't do. I will agree with that. But I would like to say that it arguably serves a different purpose than the Death Star. But, yeah. Dude, Admiral Akbar wishes he was as cool as Admiral Radis. Yeah. Leia, again, people, I will say it. Political, spiritual, economic, religious, military, diplomatic, every leader you can think of, she's been for like 40 fucking years now, and she's still doing it against these fucking assholes. There's no Star Wars character like Leia. There's no any character like Leia. There's no, I don't know, a, I, I can't, male or female, no one is as believable in that role. I, I don't know. He looks good, though. Man, does he look good. The Mon Cal's. Yeah. <laughs> I like this guy. So Harrison Ford's reading him the whole movie, and now he doesn't get that he's lying about this whole thing. <laughs> Typical. I think at that point in time, they know that they are in a desperate hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Han doesn't even give him that much of a hard time later, because he does, they just needed a way in. Bop, bop. I think he can relate a little bit. I think Han can relate to that a little bit. I do think, honestly, I, I'm I'm being trying to be objective as possible here, JG girl. This looks amazing, but there was a level of epicness with spaceships in particular that started with Rogue One and continued into Last Jedi. That I think was a jump from the first movie, which is understandable considering all their limitations. Oh God, this scene oh it kills me. Now, quickly, before we jump into the scene, is it me or does this film look a lot brighter than the other two? Yeah. And three, maybe. Yeah, he, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is way better than the, the Zack Snyder DCEU movies, which all look like yellow and brown and disgusting. Yeah, I, I can't stand that. The dog shooting style of this. This right here, it really hurts me. Right here, it's such a powerful moment. Like, it, I was so... I was so hoping that they would kiss no it's not it's a hug like Jin and cassian at the end the hug is more powerful than the kiss i truly believe that yeah i know i was talking about during that moment the first time but it it really works because you know they've been separated for months i know i just love that image i love the hugging image it makes me so happy and sad at the same time it just breaks your heart Oh, we know it broke Mark Hamill's heart. He's talked openly about it. It's his sister. He really considered her his sister. 
right, a beautiful shot of the light oh. speed there. <laughs> oh, right. Yeah, they pulled this in Battlestar once or twice. It was very difficult jumping straight into atmosphere. Really interesting. Boom. Oh! And you see Harrison Ford's like, I, I thought that was perfect because you bought that that was Han Solo jumping out of light speed in the atmosphere of a yes. planet. <laughs> I love this. Yeah. Oh my God. Did the Millennium Falcon take so much abuse in, <laughs> in this film? It really, it gets, yeah. It's an abusive relationship with everyone involved with it. <laughs> <laughs> oh. It's like Uncharted. That's the other thing. You could make a lot of direct comparisons to the first movie. Desert Planet, Messiah character, Death Star. But the real comparison is this movie is an adventure movie, like an Indiana Jones movie, which is what A New Hope was as well. I think that's, the, for me, the most direct comparison. I think it's more good than bad. Um, but it is a series of adventures. It's not a giant space opera epic the way Last Jedi, Empire, Return of the Jedi, and Rogue One are. It's it's more similar to the original movie, I think, in that sense of being an adventure kind of thing. I would have to agree with you. That was very Indiana Jones-ish. I like this film right here, this point right here. It was like, <laughs> I don't. I'm just here to get Ray. People counting. <laughs> Look, he's so upset. Solo will figure it out. Solo. We'll use the force. <laughs> That's not how the force works. You're oh, cold. really? You're <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, oh, he, he rolls with it. He gets pissed at him, and then he rolls with it. By the way, it was very intentional that the Empire have plenty of young people of color as well as the Rebels. This, this was the beginning. You know, it's not an accident that the bow rifle is portrayed as being so powerful. Look, it's already blown away how many people? Three, four? It's a really powerful weapon which oh. gives credence. <laughs> Fez was so worthless and she gives up the code too. How does anyone have any respect for her? Oh, we talked about it. She's a self she's a self preservist that has no real loyalty to the first order. She could care less about the first order. She only cares about surviving. Which would be a great sub story would be that she would like sell them out like by accident or for the wrong reasons or something. Like totally Well, I do recommend that you read the comic and the book because it talks about that. But enough about but enough about Phasma. But anyway, yes. so I was talking about the bow the bow rifle is it is portrayed as being so powerful because later in the film, Kylo gets shot by it and he's not moved by it. You know, it sells how powerful he is to take that shot and not get blown away or even killed. So instead of the shaky cam, JJ does this thing where he like shifts the camera back and forth very rapidly, like side to side between two shots, um, which is a very effective strategy in, in building suspense. I love his style, and honestly, with all the experience and the bigger budget and the be the team more experienced, I think episode nine is going to be so freaking epic. I don't know if it's going to be all-time great, but it is going to be epic. You know, for the record, if there's one thing that I hate in film, it's the shaky cam. I don't know why it's so popular. Well, if you use it super sparingly like Joss Whedon, it's great because you don't even think that Joss Whedon uses shaky cam. He does. It's just very, very, very occasional. If it's something you start recognizing and thinking about, then you failed. I agree. But what is the point of it? Like, 
I don't know. It just seems very distracting and you lose it. Especially when you're dealing with like CGI shots or like you're trying to sell something. You don't want to linger too long on things. You want to create a feeling of, of realism. I mean, they're, they're shaking around the cameras in these cockpits right now. It's just very subtle. So it's you know not distracting. Is it a technique to hide stuff? Is that why it's used? To hide stuff, create a sense of realism and presence. Like in Battlestar, they often just put a camera in space and have it kind of bump around a little bit to give it feel like it's a dynamic camera, sort of objectively viewing the battle. You know, I just realized that we get a lot of pull in this film in the co- cockpit. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Paul, get your head out of the cockpit. <laughs> yeah, get it out of the cockpit. Permission to get an X-Wing and blow stuff up. <laughs> Permission granted. She doesn't even think twice about it. This is so stupid. This is worse than either Death Star Run. This is worse than the Rogue One mission. I mean, I love these pilots and I love the X-Wing action, but this makes zero sense. They're just shooting this wall. Well, they're trying to blow up a power core, whatever it's called, right? So... I just feel they should have doubled down on Poe being like a uh, intelligence agent and had him do a mission with these guys like coordinated at the end. That's what I would have done. I don't even I don't even care. I love Jess. I'm pissed they didn't bring Jess back. And Temin. Snap. He didn't come back either. Well, he's off on another mission. I'm sure we'll see okay. him in episode 9. So, Greg. Hey, what what are you doing with this head thing? What are you doing? Why are you doing this? <laughs> Trying to come up with a plan. <laughs> you gotta... That's hard to do, man. That humor. The jump I guess doing. It's hard to do. Oh, look at her. Enrage theme, yeah. I love that Chewie's the one that tells her. Yeah. Oh my god, look at her. She know Ray oh. never had this before. Somebody came back for her. I think we can honestly say, who does not want to have a best friend like Ray? Honestly. Or Finn for that matter. Or Finn. Well, once Finn grows up a little bit more, yeah. <laughs> it's up to acting like a dummy. No, Han Solo seems like he would be cool, but he's probably yeah. not somebody you want to spend a lot of time with. He doesn't have a lot of patience. Well, he also didn't want to save Princess Leia until Luke said she's rich. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. Uh, Look at all this action. Yeah, it's good. It's good. It's a little shaky, but you know what's going on, though. You can see what's going on. That's th- that's what I realized ultimately was I didn't even care about the X-Wing battle because of these guys on the ground. I like how it's like my bag is full of explosives. Let's use them. Let's blow something up. I actually like this fleet command better than fleet command in Last Jedi. It seems more diverse. There's more aliens. True. They're True. both good. <laughs> Leia's in charge in both cases, so I'm happy. <laughs> As long as Leia's in charge, whatever she's alive, that's all I care about. Here we go. And that scene right there was after the Forces of Destiny short. Because we see the speeder in the background. So I will say, just as a challenge to our constant praise, 
I know a few film critics who love Daisy Ridley as Ray, but don't necessarily see her as a future Academy Award nominated actress as I do. Um, I'm not sure why, but I know that there's that sentiment. I think I would have to see her in another role before I can determine that, but I I don't have the ability to recognize that like some people do. So well, I'm just I'm just pointing out the whole weirdness of the situation. She gets her huge break in this. It's like you know, I mean, she's already done some other movies, which is great. Which is exactly and John Boyega has done too, which is exactly what they should do. And Star Wars works around their actor schedules. Like they want them to do other movies. It's awesome. Right. We knew once Chewie and Han got separated that it was trouble. Now, see, I didn't know until he called out to Ben. Once he called out to Ben, I, I, I was angry because I knew it was coming. Not knew knew that it was coming, but I knew that Han. Oh, really? Yeah, in Ford. Be okay. So here we go look at the shot there's the lens flare the lens flare Uh looks amazing i use that in my editing sometimes it looks so good i don't know why people don't like it so anyways what i was saying is is i did not know that han solo was going to die until he calls out to ben on the bridge once that happened i was like oh no and i was angry because i knew that harrison ford wanted to kill the character of han solo way back in the empire strikes back and I was angry because of how predictable it was, but that doesn't mean it wasn't powerful, but that was my first reaction when I knew for sure that he was going to die. That's interesting. I had my suspicions, although for me it was when Carrie Fisher gave him the speech about bringing the son home. That's when I, I, I thought it was over. You see, you see now when I was watching the film... I don't know what it is in the Star Wars universe. They love these long bridges that are skinny with no handrails that go over giant pits. It makes no sense. See, when, when he was cleaning up there, I was thinking to myself, no. No, that no, they're not going to do this. No. And, of course, for this moment, everybody, including the audience, has their perspective. They're fixed on this scene. They're glued. They, they want to know what's happened. Han Solo, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. It just it captures your attention, and there's no music. No, you can't. You can't have music. It's so powerful. By the way, really quickly, the Kazan story was that when they were writing the scene where him and Princess Leia were seeing each other for the first time in a couple of years, JJ wanted to write all sort of witty dialogue, and Kazan was like, "No, dude, silence for like three minutes," and JJ was like, "Okay," and that was it. <laughs> I love the introduction of Ray and Finn in the scene. It's very like the Luke and crew introduction in A New Hope, where they walk in in the middle of this. It looks just like Anakin. It's insane. It looks just like Hayden Christensen. He does. See, look at it. You get so absorbed into this scene right here. He looks so young, too, and he's only in his 30s, the character. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm still not sure I know Kylo Ren's true intentions. Maybe that's the point. He he's 29 here, but he he's tortured. He's in doubt. He wants to move forward into the dark side of the force, but he is constantly conflicted. He hopes that in this moment, confronting his father and being able to kill his ties to his past and the light side of the force, that he can grow in power. 
and go beyond what he's capable of, what he thinks he's capable of in the dark side, but it doesn't. It breaks him. It destroys him. He becomes a conflicted soul into a tortured soul. What he thought would make him whole and powerful made him conflicted. I don't want to use the word weak, but broken. And we see that in episode 8. He doesn't hate Han Solo. He just needs to kill him to grow. Or he thinks he does. But he doesn't. And I, I do believe in this moment he was thinking about walking away. Yeah. And going back with Han Solo. It wasn't until the light went away. And he's like, okay. The first order is about to shoot the laser. Look how long they hold on Adam Driver's face. Over and over and over. This is like Academy Award level shit going on here. This has to be the most one of the best moments in Star Wars of all time. Right here. I put it in yeah. top three, but it's easily top five to seven. Clearly. Oh, yeah. The top 10 for sure, top yeah. 5 arguably. Yeah. This moment right here, see hands open, hands on a lightsaber, the light goes out here, perfect, I love the symmetry, red on his face, the light fading off Han Solo <sighs> here, and it cuts back to the hand here, now see it's quiet, it. you focus you on it, already gonna do it. Yeah. it's so beautiful, and see he fits close, uh, oh my god, uh, oh. <laughs> oh no, fuck. <sighs> Oh my god. <sighs> this moment right here just kills me. I think, I, I, I honestly, I love oh. Darth Vader. Kylo Ren is already more interesting to me through two right movies. Here, right here, Han and his, oh my god. <laughs> these guys, these two actors are legends. I mean, Harrison Ford for sure. I think, Ed Driver, oh my god. Oh. It had to happen. That's the thing. As I've said, J.J. Abrams successfully killed off arguably the most popular Star Wars character, Han Solo, in a way that fans n- found acceptable and even liked. And a look on Leia's face, yeah. Yeah. Oh my, oh my god. I love oh it. My god. Right. They have to shoot yeah. him so that he's weak in the fight later, so those two have a chance against him. Oh my god, I, 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 did, I did not expect to lose it there. Oh, oh my god. Yeah, Chewie. Oh, I can't, I can't no way for Han Solo. Boom. Yeah, this is a Star Trek level thing. He can easily do this. This looks great. And surprise, surprise, I'm crying again. <laughs> oh, but here we go, we jump right back into the action here. You know, people are like, how did they beat Kylo? Kylo is still standing after a shot from a bowcaster. Yeah, he's severely wounded. Yeah. Exactly, which we saw earlier in the film blow people off their feet. Jedi Geek Girl, I'm not going to lie. I think they need to give Rey Ahsoka style two lightsabers. I think that's her best chance of kicking his ass in the final movie. I honestly think she should have two. He's just too big and burly and powerful. Here's the stance. What about a staff? What do you think about a staff? Yes, like a staff lightsaber. That's what I want, yeah. It's just us now. See, that's creepier than anything he did in the room is the thing. It's just us now. God. And he's beating himself. He's trying to 
power himself up with us dark side of the force. He's playing in rage on himself. I mean, this is all like uh, I I don't know, Jakey Carl. I'm not saying this I this is an A movie for me, but these sort of weird staging convenient getting unconscious getting conscious again you don't see in rogue one you do see in the saga movies but i get it it's more like disney fantasy fairy tale look at him he does look like a evil prince as you pointed out he looks super like an evil prince you know what i love about this series of scenes coming up is the lighting i love the blue and the red contrast and this was all done well some of it was done in uh the reshoot and post-production just we, we haven't seen anything like this really before. It's like Beauty and the Beast. In the forest earlier on Maz's planet and this, both these scenes look like Beauty and the Beast. I, I mean that as a compliment. I love the fairy tale vibe. Oh, and God, right, here we go. This oh! right here. <laughs> right, get up, get up. It's like Rocky. Get up, get up, Rock. Oh, where does this series of lightsaber fights rank for you? The Luke, I'm sorry, the Kylo versus Finn and Rey. Where does that rank for you? I mean, for me, the battles, the ranks are all about dramatic effect. So for me, Obi-Wan in episode four and Vader, Luke and five and six will, will always be the best for me. Um, so this moment right here didn't surprise me. This is but maybe the best single moment. It didn't surprise me, but it's very powerful. And, you know, you're cheering at this moment here. Especially if you're, well, any fans, but especially women fans here, because this is something we've been waiting for for a long time in films. J.J. Abrams, whatever his plans were, set up this relationship as so complicated. I honestly don't know what anyone could have done better than Ryan Johnson. When it came to these two and Luke and Last Jedi is like an 11 out of 10 for me. I don't understand. <laughs> Who could have made that more cool? I mean, it's gotten even so much cooler, more complicated since now. So I do want to say that I think it applies to all the new Star Wars films, but I do think this film is going to age really well. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. I think they all age well, honestly. No, I know, I'm I'm saying that as a redundant statement. <laughs> yeah, Star Wars film ages well. It's breaking news. Star Wars film ages well. It's like, yeah, we know. <laughs> They've been aging well for 40 years. <laughs> Woo-hoo! Oh, no. Oh, no. Was... Oh, man. That's what's her name from The Defenders. Jessica um, Hed- Hed- Henwing. Okay, okay. And she's in Lord and uh, Game of Thrones. Yeah, there's a lot of Game of Thrones in Star Wars. Oh yeah, tons. I mean, they they hired the fucking TV creators. Yeah, there's a lot of behind the scenes there. Yeah. This is the one shot that saves it for me. Is Poe just like fuck it? I'm just gonna rock all this shit to hell. I thought that was a very interesting camera angle where we saw that, so. The thing is, Poe was what I wanted Wedge to be the whole time in the original series. Oh! Wow. 
you know, I think this this series of shots it's just perfect. It's not too much. It's not too little. You want more, but you know, if you got more, it would be too much. It's, everything is just so tightly shot and well weaving that it, it works perfectly. Like, I love this touch of lightsaber fighting in the woods. This is by the. I'm so, uh, let me be clear. This is on the level of the original trilogy for me, this fight. It, this is there. So I do it, yeah, it, it really, it's really like the Empire Strikes Back. Well, no, it's more like Return mm-hmm. of the Jedi because of like, the oh, memory. Yeah. But anyways, what I was going to say is, is, if you look, they're fighting in a forest, which contradicts the bright green of the forest earlier in the mo- movie. Did you know that? It's very interesting. I didn't think of that before. Here it is. Classic shots. Some of this was reshot. You need a teacher, right? Now he's just evil. He's not creepy. That's the thing. He goes between evil and creepy so smoothly. I love the touch of the lightsabers in the eyes. It that's a beautiful touch. And look, she she touches the force. I mean, they always shoot lights in their eyes, but this is particularly noticeable. Yeah. Yeah, I'm saying it's well done. Boom. Yeah. Yeah. She becomes one with the force. I just can't believe how Lucas made the lightsabers <laughs> look in the early 80s. I mean, they, they looked better, but not by much. That's a compliment to Lucas. Ugh. Right in the shoulder where he got hit before-ish by Finn, I think. She goes with that Falcone over the head, old school sword maneuver. Now she's circling him like a bird of prey. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. Now, what would I advise her to do right now, Jedi Geek Girl? <laughs> Kick him in the nuts. Kill him. I love this shot right here. Lightsaber. Right, because this shows her pure physical strength, too, which is key. Yeah. So they move his scar between movies, famously. Who cares? I think it's so brief in this film that Unless you really focus on it. They don't really move it that much. They just tone it down in the forehead area. That's it. People are so ridiculously over-analytical. I thought that was crazy. So talk about analytical. Do you think that... This was dumb. Them being separated like that, that is the force separating them. I think this is the problem. The main problem is there's there's a tonal conflict between jj abrams like snappy joss whedon star trekky humor movement and the sort of fairy tale stuff that he wants to do i think i think ryan's vision was more cohesive even though it wasn't always super consistent i thought ryan's vision was a little bit more consistent between the science fiction and the fairy tale i would say you know i said this before but i love how different the last jedi and the force awakening the force awakens is yeah but you can tell they were talking to each other, like literally mm-hmm. and figuratively, right? Yeah, you can definitely tell that they're two different types of films, but they're they're part of the same universe. By the way, I did say in my commentary from three years ago, I was like, "Oh, I bet he wakes up in a back to tank in the next movie." <laughs> so I remember this oh, scene right here in a trailer. Oh, People were speculating who that was going to be. I don't oh, know if you remember that, but Daisy Ridley crying. Stop. Because that scene was in a trailer, and there was speculation. People thought it was Chewie. People thought it was Han. Because of the jacket. 
I remember that. Yeah. I think like Marvel, since 2015-2016, both Marvel and Star Wars have taken big leaps in effects. You know, the thing about it is, is people want to criticize this film out Look of love, this. out of oh. criticism, or whatever, but this is oh, the oh, film oh, 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 that we needed so, as Star Wars fans. That's the thing. I can't disagree with you. That, that's why I keep coming back to. I don't know what who, what would have been a better job of the movie we I, needed I love at this. That you point. see Starkiller Base explodes and oh. see the Millennium Falcon and the X-Wings coming in. Yes. It's perfect. Which is the inverse of the first scene where they're in shadow against each other, right? It's the exact opposite. Yeah. Star Wars is not subtle about the light versus the dark, but it shouldn't be. Wow. Yeah. All all smart, self-aware people know what the right thing is to do and the wrong thing to do. So just a matter of which side you want to choose. I just can't get over how bright this film is. You know? I think because of all the red and black... Johnson seemed to be less bright, but if I mean on the island it was pretty verdant. Now see right here we have a very emotional. Oh. <sighs> oh, God damn it! The end of Return of, of Last Jedi is my favorite when they're on the Falcon together. I was so happy when that happened. Honestly, oh, there's Leia's theme. Ah. <sighs> They're still hugging. I love Star Wars. Yes. Oh, my God. You know, I, I'm going to say it again, and I'm going to say it over and over and over again, but God, I miss Carrie Fisher. But like the Rogue One crew, her sacrifice will inspire millions of people. Already has, mm-hmm. and will continue to. In R2-D2... You love, uh. Oh, so the question I was going to ask you earlier was, so do you think R2 is sort of like almost genetically bonded to the Skywalkers to a certain degree? And that's why he only responds to them? Although he should respond to Leia. That's weird. I think that's reading into it too much, but that's just me. Well, what, what do you think low-powered him? He needed the chip? Or like, uh, that was the whole thing? Well, see, the thing about it is he had to shut down to process all the information that he's been having for decades in order to put up the map. So he was so he was cycling. So think about it when you're like, kind of like if you're deciphering a code or whatever on an automatic program. That's what he was doing. He had to power down and put all of his energies into that to try to decipher all the information that he had in order to get the map. And being old, he would slow down a little bit. So that's why he was down. But I Look, I, I'm going to say this. It was raised in her new costume. So I have to ask you quickly, which costume do you like more? Do you like her quote-unquote Jedi costume or do you like her Jakku costume? I think they're both perfect for the environment. I can't make the decision. I love them both. If you had to pick. For battle? For casual wear? I mean, pick for what? Just pick just pick one. I, I, I would have to go with the Jedi costume. I like how... Yes. Well, it's the same way I love Ahsoka's adult costume more than her young costume. But and I love that she still has the staff with her. You know, it's a piece of her. Look, Leia's right there. Her blue costume. 
me to flesh be with you? I mean, she's so cute and pretty, but she's so relatable. I feel like she feels like an everyday person, you know? Like, they really pulled that off with her and Finn. She does. See Chewbacca ready for another adventure. I mean, look, yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely privy, uh, biased to the 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 badass Jedi outfit because I love strong women. So, yeah, I love how Chewie is now tied with Rey. Oh, he's totally loyal to her because he could see how much Han loved her already. So Chewie, Chewie knew exactly what was going on. Chewie was going to be behind her with Han or without. So Woo. we talk, we talk about the scene coming up with the helicopter shot being very reminiscent of a Lord of the Rings shot. This ending that we're getting is very Lord of the Rings. Remember at the end of the Fellowship of the Ring where you like it ends and you're like, what? That what? It's just getting started. So here so here was my thing is that you know, when you have Rebel slash Empire, Scum and Villainy and Force. So Rebel Empire, Scum and Villainy, arguably JJ mastered a little bit better but ryan mastered the force way better the force stuff in last jedi is so so good you know but you know what i'm talking about right with my comparisons to fellowship of the ring yeah yeah yeah. oh yeah totally yeah 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 i just wanted to finish that thought before i inevitably forgot it which was just this transitions into so much coolerness than i was even expecting from the second movie it you, you know the ending here comes up and you're like really that's the end of it you and we had to wait two years of what was to happen next and you can literally pop on the last jedi after this because they it, it's wonderful so do you going back to my when did i realize that i both wanted and thought that she was a nobody do you remember when information about Jyn Erso started coming out and people started making connections like, oh, is she's Ray's grandmother or mother or whatever, blah, blah, blah. I remember being so turned off by that notion even before I saw Rogue One, like being annoyed by it, that people were obsessed with this shit. I think that's when I was like, fuck it. Yeah, I was annoyed by it too. I think people were stretching too much. And here we go. I remember this moment after... 20 years or 20, 30 years, we get to see Luke again. and This is the proto-theme for the island that they develop for the next movie. Yep. Yeah, you get captured because you waited so long to see Luke, and you see Luke, and what is playing in the background? The song that I play in my podcast, The Jedi Steps. See Luke with his hand You mean in addition to quoting the Rogue One trailer? No, the ending theme. If you actually, if you listen to the whole podcast all the way through, I have an ending yes, theme. Yes, I know. I'm aware. <laughs> <laughs> You're just giving me crap. No, I just I've been failing the drinking gra- game with Rogue One. I've only mentioned Jin or Rogue One like four times at most this whole time. Well, see, I mentioned Jin earlier. I mentioned Jin Erso earlier in the podcast, and you already had your orgasm. So, <gasps> no, nah, you need to have a no. lot. You need to have time no. before Jin comes up. But anyway, we're talking over no. Luke here. This is this no. is a very powerful. <laughs> no, hard pass, hard pass. <laughs> this is a very this powerful moment here. And they transition Luke. beautifully. I mean, they get her to look as close to her two younger years younger self as possible, and it's flawless. Kazdan Abrams. Oh, and Michael Arn. Okay. 
Yeah, it's definitely a Kasdan script. No two ways about it. Kathleen Kennedy, thank you so much. I cannot heap enough praise on this woman, honestly. But anyways, what I was going to say when the camera was on Luke is I thought Mark Campbell did a perfect job of shooting that film, that scene, because there is so much emotion you can read in his face that it really captured the fandom imagination and speculation about what was going to happen two years later. It also showed a ton of optimism that the movies were going to do so well that they could keep bringing back the original cast until the original cast dies, unfortunately. Spoiler alert with Carrie Fisher. Um, But the fact that they thought they could pull that off over a five-year period with the budget and the epic scope is amazing. I totally agree. Yeah, so there we have it. The Force Awakens, a film that awoken a fandom. I just, I totally get Poe's journey in Last Jedi. I just want to see a hybrid of the mature Poe from the end of Last Jedi with the Poe from the end of this movie together in Episode Nine. If I get that, I will be a happy man. Well, like I said, I made a bold prediction a couple of podcasts ago when I talked about how The Last Jedi, I think, is going to be looked at as the best film of the three but episode nine will probably be the most popular. Yeah, it's tough for me to say because they didn't have the standalone movies in in the old days, and it was Solo does really well, and I love it. You know, I don't know where everything's going to be relative to it. Well, to be clear, when I'm talking about my prediction, I'm talking about seven, eight, nine. I'm not talking about the spinoffs. I'm not talking about the Lucas films. I'm talking about seven, eight, nine. Oh, totally. No, no, no. Totally, totally. Um, I'm just saying it's harder to be more like super objective about it because there are other movies and TV shows and stuff going on as well. I guess. Oh, that's interesting. Michael Giacchino is, yeah. So, anyways. FN2184, whatever. You know, that's Princess Leia's cell. That was his, his code name from earlier. Um, is Finn. Yeah, I don't know. I just, for me, it's, again, I hate to keep making the weeding comparisons, but that's just how I feel, is that if it's fun and funny enough, it has, like, and they nail some serious moments, like Kylo and Carrie and Harrison and so forth. For me, that's, like, enough to make a great movie. I know for some people they got hung up on the comparisons. It's another Death Star and blah blah blah. And I, you know, I can sympathize with them. But like I sympathize with the criticisms of Last Jedi. I don't ultimately. It doesn't affect my watching of it that much. I guess would be my final thought about the movie. And it ages well because it's always funny and entertaining and fun to watch these characters for me. So I, I will give you the last uh, word on this because I think we covered a lot of a lot more ground actually than I was expecting. The commentary which was which was awesome so i'll give you the last word on this one i think the last thing i have to say about this film is that this film is a lot better than people give it credit for you probably will hear me say that a lot about these star wars films but for all the criticism that people give it it definitely was like i said earlier the perfect film for a franchise that was sleeping since we've entered the Sith. I think J.J. Abrams did a great job of introducing new characters, new worlds, new settings and ideas, while also reintroducing the familiar and stuff like that. People want to criticize about how similar 
it was to the classic original trilogy, but you had to do it. The first film had to be created to be like, hey, we can do Star Wars in order to take risks like they did with the spin-off films and The Last Jedi. I don't think without The Force Awakens, I don't think The Last Jedi would have worked. Yeah, and you know, like like just to follow up on the thought really quickly, that was sort of what I was getting at earlier when I said that my love for Rogue One actually increased my love for The Force Awakens because The Force Awakens then itched a scratch that Rogue One couldn't with, you know, with the Jedi stuff and the adventure stuff and focusing in on characters, you know, like they just complement each other so well as as with The Last Jedi, you know what I mean? So these, I, I guess that was the thing I was saying. It's not that I'm comparing these saga movies to non-saga movies, it's just the experience of watching all of these Star Wars movies. I love that they seem to be complementing each other tonally, narratively. You know, Rogue One was more about like a bunch of people and a big cause. You know, these movies are more, you know, nar- uh, narrowly character focused, which is what they should be, because that's what the classic Star Wars movies were like. Um, and uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, everything is working for me at Disney right now, at Lucasfilm. I don't know what else I can say without continuing to kiss kissing their asses because we've already seen the advanced reviews of solo seem very very promising on top of our optimism go ahead i know exactly what to say to wrap it up going with what you said it's true all of it is true Mm-hmm. yes 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 well forces with me i'm one with the force rebellions are built on hope Save the rebellion. Save the dream. Thank you, Jedi Geek Girl. Thank you guys out there. Amazing movie. More amazingness to come. And I will do every goddamn Star Wars movie commentary, as I promised. You will see. Thank you, listeners, for supporting all this. It's been a great ride and will continue to be. And we'll be talking to you soon. So for now, Jedi Geek Girl, the Bizzle are out.